Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Cast Haven. You can find out more at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles. Welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me tonight is our guest host, Phil Blackman. Phil, how oh, are you yeah, doing? Oh, yeah, we got that, that OG guest host now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Phil's going to be filling in from time to time and, and joining us occasionally uh, on the cast uh, whenever me and Nate are, uh, are sick or absent. Uh, I'm just going to show up. You're never going to know when I'm here. <laughs> My voice will just appear out of nowhere. Um, yeah, Phil, uh, tell us about your credentials with, uh, with Legacy. I guess that's the first thing our, our, uh, our listeners are going to want to know. Dude, so for the last, however, however long it's been since they tore my heart out, I've been a wandering Miracles player trying to find my way. Uh, but my Legacy career has started where I did the same thing that most people did, where I started with um, uh, Merfolk, first getting in, well done. and then recognized how great blue cards are. Uh, and then at a certain point I found the powerful degeneracy of storm and I became enamored with that. And I like flipped everything and built storm and then played that for a while, uh, realized that I couldn't play it proficiently. And I, <laughs> I also couldn't really handle the swings, you know, it's like some tournaments you just crush it. And then there are some tournaments where like, it just feels like they have everything. Yeah. Uh, and so I just never actually dedicated myself to it. And so I flipped storm and built miracles because I remember, watching miracles for the first time and thinking how elegant the deck was uh and i never had that experience with a deck i was just like wow this is just it's it looks and plays so elegantly i was like this is really really nice so i started building that deck and then i played it for like almost seven years or something like that i don't know uh that's a good clip (laughs) yeah like i i just played it like ever since like miracles like was established as a deck i saw it it like was around i saw it do that thing where it just was like man this is beautiful just terminus on tap jace the mind sculptor like what more could any player want uh so i did that and then all they when they banned top i've been lost ever since but let me tell you i have a new level fair with leovold so yeah that card's a good card too i've I've honestly been playing playing miracles for the last couple of weeks at my local and, and the deck seems to still run pretty good against the other fair decks it still does, yeah. I mean, the the problem that I have with both of those decks at the moment is that I feel like neither of them uh, cheat enough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like those are two decks that just they're not doing anything. Like, Terminus is kind of unfair, but otherwise the decks aren't really doing anything unfair. Uh, so you you don't have any ways to like steal wins, really. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, because you've been on uh, Infect for the, for a while now, right? Yeah. You want to talk about stealing wins? That's a deck. <laughs> Dude, and let me every time I go up against that deck, I just like they just go turn one glistener off, and I'm like, all right, I think I should go home. Yeah, that's that, that is that's how we want you to feel. <laughs> let me tell you, that deck is effective at doing it. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the deck where you're just like, oh god, they should ban these cards. Like you feel that occasionally. You're like, well, why do they get to cast a card that gives a, ca- a creature plus four plus four? It's for free, you know. Yeah, I remember just like 
having swords plus force plus like literally everything I could ever want and still just dying on turn two. And I was like, man, <laughs> this is this is not really working out. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy that Search for His Contest kind of revolutionized miracles. Yeah. Uh, and I think that like the deck is here to stay. I think it needs a couple more tools to figure it out. I think that right now counterbalance in my experience is still too inconsistent, although it feels necessary. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, I think Legacy is in a good place right now. I'm really happy they didn't ban Deathrite Shaman. Um, do you have any? Do you, do you have your thoughts on Deathrite? <laughs> I mean, I, I know that you guys have brought I'm, this up before. But. Yeah, I, I mean, I, personally, I'm sick of seeing it across the board from me. I think, I, I think honestly, I'm not so much sick of seeing Deathrite Shaman as as much as I am the decks and enables. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm sick of playing in Skrixis Delver and, and Checkpile. Um, and, and not that those decks I feel like are unfair. They're just very good against what I'm doing. Um, so it's, it, it's kind of crappy to have to sit against those, you know, in the numbers that those decks are showing up. So, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that's a thing that, you know, occasionally Wizards looks at that sort of thing and says, oh, the consistency of this deck plus the amount of people playing it, you know, to a necropotent summer kind of level. That's how I feel it is like back, back during the black summer of like Ice Age 95, like, just every single every single person who owns the cards is playing this deck because it would be almost wrong to not do that. And that's where I think like that that's my where my argument is is I think that Deathrite Shaman will level out over time when there are other things that can compete with it. Yeah, I just feel like it, right now it seems like the the major issue with Deathrite is like yeah it's really powerful and on a power level it's I think it's the best creature ever printed, but compared to like the other things that go on in Legacy. I think this is also relevant to like sort of talk about ban lists since the, you know, of course, right now, Jason Bloodbraid are all the rage. Um, but I think like death Rite's only like major issue. I don't think it's power level because I think there are things that are more powerful, obviously, than death. Right. I think this problem is that it homogenizes so many of the fair decks. I agree. That's and that's think, actually my biggest problem. I think that's the the only like reasonable argument at the moment in my mind for a blood a blood ban for a death right ban in legacy is because all of the fair decks are kind of taxed into playing it because if you're not playing it you're probably doing it wrong yeah uh but the thing is is that those types of cards have existed before and then when other things came out that then were competing for that slot or enabling other strategies that made you have a, an equal power level doing other things or being in a different color so I think there's going to be at some point they'll print something that can go alongside it. I think the reason that it's so powerful is that, you know, the first time in ever that they've printed a, a mana accelerant for black and the fact that it gives you main board hate against a lot of the deck, decks that are actually degenerate. Yeah. Uh, Between... I, think it's, it, I think it's healthy to have. I think it's just because it makes you... You're either playing unfair or you're playing Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, I, I mean, well, so... It... Within that, though, uh, I was really surprised. This is why I was I was touting uh, miracles, is because I you know I've been playing for the last two weeks, and man, miracles just walks right over the top of the other fair decks, though. Um, it, it has a real problem with storm, but uh, you know. That's well, that's the thing. The yeah, it, losing losing the counter countertop lock made it so that miracles, like where I find it right now, is that it's kind of this. Uh, it's not the same control deck where you could like proactively cantrip to find your counterbalance lock. Yeah. Now you're way more a reactive deck, so you have to cantrip reactively. So the, the, just like the pattern that you play your deck is different. Yeah. Uh, but I fully agree with you. I think that like now like terminus and source of the plowshares are still the things that just crush the fair decks. Uh, and then it just has such a hard time with the 
unfair decks. And then I think if it's like you're playing miracles at a tournament, if you run into enough fair decks, you're gonna you're gonna be in a good spot because you're gonna be more consistent than any of them. Yeah. The hope is that you don't play storm. <laughs> the hope or, is that you, you don't know, play storm. There, I mean, there you have you have your tools against storm too, but the deck just doesn't have the the like a way to close out like it used to with with like the the lock and then like flam mentor and then be like still on the lock you know like now now you really have to sort of pace yourself and, and i like whenever i was playing it was like oh you know i'll throw down a a snapcaster mage and now i'm attacking with a snapcaster mage while i'm using jace to keep a one drop on top of the deck so that i can i can stop them from like duressing me so i have like mm-hmm. you know protection from they're one drops, and then I have like a counter spell or something in my hand to stop them from a, uh, you know, uh, comboing me off with something else. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, the the two damage a turn doesn't really get you there. Is the problem? No, but there there is a, a an interesting play pattern where the game usually slows down if they know that you're on miracles. Uh, oh yeah. So what actually happens is if you can ever get to the point where you flip your search, then all of a sudden having search to be able to impulse for a force of will is something that's like actually fairly effective. Because they can't duress that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so if you can get the game long enough where you can just stick a search, like, I mean, I think the search has enough uh, onus on it. Like, I think Miracles still only exist because search, search was printed. Uh, people who were trying Soothsaying, like, dude, I played Soothsaying. <laughs> I mean, if you, anybody who's listening to this, like, don't, just don't, don't do it to yourself. All right, I won't buy them. I, I really thought about buying them. I was like, oh, I might, I might get these. I did the same thing where I was like, you know what? If this is the future of miracles, like just you know, spend the fifteen bucks or whatever it is for a set. Yeah. And then I I played them and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is this is not top. This is nothing even remotely close. Yeah. And you just like every time you draw it, you're just like this. If this was anything else. Yeah. No. God. You know, top decking uh, a Susang, it probably is like the worst feeling ever. Top decking a Susang is like it's good depending if if like nothing else is going on. Obviously, it's great. But the the issue with Miracles right now is that it already has so many problems where it can't catch up. And that's why Terminus is the best thing it can be doing. Yeah. But. So let's uh let's take a quick look at the 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 meta right now. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say good 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 intro to my, yeah. my first cast with you guys. We're just talking about <laughs> all the miracles. I'm sure everybody out there is just like, Oh my god, get this guy out of here. <laughs> Love me, um, people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the 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 legacy meta game right now. We're over on MTG Goldfish for uh, for the top eight. Just Word. to kind of look, just to kind of look, we've been using them as our, as our uh, uh, you know uh, litmus test for what the top eight looks like right now. Uh, yeah. We are not sponsored by MTG Goldfish. We're just uh, you know. I mean that's their that's their we're mistake, not, right? We're not not sponsored by MTG Goldfish, guys. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, you, you're they're getting plugged enough that I think we yeah. need that co-op deal. Yeah, dude. Um, but anyhow, uh, so the Legacy metagame right now is uh, quite similar to what it was last week with uh, Grixis Delver into Checkpile. Into I mean, that Miracles. makes sense. There hasn't been any like uh, major events, yeah. right? Yeah, no, 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 no big events. Miracles coming in third, and then uh, Turbo Depths in fourth. Um, Turbo Depths. I think Death and Taxes might have flipped with uh, with Turbo De- Depths actually. Interesting. Um, yeah, and and then we've got uh, Red Red Greenlands. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know the standard lands deck. And uh, and then elves and then Sultai Delver. Sultai Delver has been picking up eighth eighth place for a while, but I'm actually surprised. There's uh, Storm has uh, left the top eight. Now is that just a matter of Grixis Delver being the top deck, and it just has all of the tools to fight against Storm? I think I think that helps. Um, and and you know, uh, Turbo Depths has the has the uh, ability to just throw a twenty twenty down on turn two 
which probably doesn't help too much. I think it's just faster. Yeah, it just it just might actually be faster. So if if they get to be on the play, uh, they're you know they're they're generally a turn faster, especially if the opponent doesn't realize what's going on. They have access yeah. to thought seas as well, so they they can be a little bit faster, but also disruptive. Um, you know, and 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 that sort of makes sense because if you see turbo depths and lands, they're in here and they're and they're good decks and they're great against the other fair decks, especially miracles. Um, but uh, what's really funny is, uh. They're really hindered by uh, Deathrite Shaman being in the field because that's a card that can get rid of their lands if they're going to play the Wasteland game or if they're going to try and, uh, you know, they, I think, you know, some Grixis Delvers are playing Stifle, which, you know, between, uh, what's it called, between uh, Deathrite Shaman and Stifle, you can you can stop a, a combo from happening. Yeah, I feel like if you're on, if you're playing Stifle in that deck, you're really just assuming that you're running into more of the unfair decks. Yeah. Because I think if you if you think you're going to be running into what it sounds like the rest of that meta is, which is like Miracles and D&T, well, D&T swapped a little bit, but, uh, and like other Delver decks, I feel like Stifle is going to be very weak. Yeah, you just want to be on more aggressive stuff, I guess, like, yeah. you know, Fork Bolt and stuff. Um, but if you're on, if you're going to go, if you think you're just going to be playing against Mono, it's a pretty good spot, but what's the reason that Sultide Delver is... Like, is there a reason that you would play Sultai over Grixis right now? So I think what's happening is um, people are playing less Fatal Pushes because people are playing less Tarmogoyfs. And because people are playing less Fatal Pushes, Tarmogoyf is starting to slide back into the meta. Um, okay. I think I, I, that's my only guess. If I were to play Rug Delver today, I would be playing the version with Tarmogoyfs. And then I, I might even be putting putting mandrills into my sideboard because I, I want to be able to beat decks like elves, which el I have a real problem with elves because elves can just infinitely block me. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so the, you know, the, uh, the trample that I'm getting off of, uh, off of my, uh, what's called, uh, is, is pretty huge. The, uh, hooting mandrills. Um, and it's... then, and then, uh, you know, this, this particular Sultai Delver list is playing, you know, it gets to play Liliana last hope too, which is fine. It's playing tomb stalkers. Um, so it, it's got ways around the other fair decks as far as like if gaining value off of off of the planeswalker or or just flying over with larger with basically larger Gurmog anglers mm -hmm. or flying Gurmog anglers I should say. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, and they're getting to play four hymns, you know, as well. So I think I think this deck is better against unfair decks, um, and it can also it can also race the you know a deck that doesn't know what's going on a player that doesn't know what's going on. It's gonna it's gonna be able to race. Uh, a a Grixis Delver deck on the play. If you were playing against, if you knew that you were going to walk into a field of nothing but unfair decks, and Delver was in your list, what would you rather have, him to Turok or Probe Therapy? Ooh, I mean, oh man, that's tough. Uh, I think Probe Therapy is your better choice, honestly. I agree with that. Yeah, because like the 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 Sultai lists, it's to me they they seem like they fall in between. Uh, Grixis Delver and Pile. Yeah, they like strike me as a as a, a a middle ground where it's just like a more aggressive pile. And I'm like curious to know, I, like I would be really interested to see stats on how consistently Delvers flip in that deck. Yeah, there's not a ton of. I mean, there's 25 spells in this deck, uh, but you know, with two Planeswalkers, 14 creatures. I mean, that's that's two more creatures than I, than I play normally. And then the planeswalkers are obviously not going to flip the delver either. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's like a little a little less than a little more than one third of your deck is is uh is going to flip the delver. Yeah. 
I mean, I, the, like there are merits to like. I mean, abrupt decay is a good card to have if you think that you're going to be in uh, certain metagames where that's going to be effective. You know, uh, I I think just looking at decklist side by side, I feel like Grixis decks are just more on what the Delver plan is. Yeah. But I guess it's obviously I guess it's got to be metagame dependent. Like if you're running into a place where there's just a ton of chalice, like I'm I would be more inclined to want to be playing abrupt decay in that field. You know. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about this this to- this current top eight. It's it's basically been, you know, minus minus storm popping out. It's been pretty stagnant for the last couple of months. So I, I I'm really looking forward to seeing something happen. Uh, Why do you think storm has fallen? Uh, I can only I can only guess that it's because death and taxes and and Grixis Delver and then Sultai Delver like those decks. You know, they pun they they don't punish storm necessarily, but they have the tools to beat storm. Yeah, I mean, in, in show and tell is nowhere, nowhere. Eleventh place, show and tell. Wow. Yeah. I feel like that's low. Does that feel low to you? It does feel low. Yeah, I mean, I see it all the time right now. Yeah, it seems like it's really popular, but I guess I mean, is that that's the uh, online meta or the? This is I, I believe this is the online meta with like a, a little like a, a weighted amount of uh, of paper magic. Okay. But, but there's so many more tournaments going on online, so I, I I'm assuming that they're choosing online, uh, yeah. f- uh, more more heavily. Which you know some of this makes sense. You get some of these cards and you're just not getting getting rid of them. Uh, but I guess that's the same in in paper too. Um, the, an interesting uh deck archetype that's up there is is the uh like Mardu taxes. Mardu. Ta- oh, question. Yeah, that's a that's a thing that's been popping up. So uh uh. Buddy of ours, uh, his name is Etai, and he's been playing uh, DNT. I don't know since he was born. Yeah, and he <laughs> he like started playing uh, Daredevils from Rivals, the Ooh. reverse Snapcaster. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, it's it's dope. Have you played against that at all yet? I'm, that's the one that targets a card in your opponent's graveyard and plays it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've not played against that card, but I saw it and I was like, that that looks spicy. That was a, that, that's a card that right now is striking me as it's uh, it's primed for a spike, and I say that one because it's showing up as uh, two of ish, maybe give it give or take depending on builds in DNT in red white DNT that like they also get to splash like Magus of the Moon and stuff, but then also with the unbanning of Bloodbraid Elf and Modern, do you know what's really good in Jund Mirrors? <laughs> yeah, just. Highlighting removal. Just jam, <laughs> just jam Daredevil, and then a 2-1 first striker is not bad against their Bloodbraid Elves. Yeah, no, that's also true. So it's just like, all right, play this thing, kill your guy, and now you can't attack with your Bloodbraid? Like, I think it, that, that card is pretty pretty well positioned. I would, I will I will be aiming to pick up a set relatively soon, because I think that's going to see... Uh, I don't think it would have seen modern play, but now that John Bloodbraid is back, I think it will. We heard it here first. So. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're we're calling it. We're calling it here on Eternal Dirtles. All right. Um, okay. So so we've got the top eight down. So really, uh, you know, if I'm assuming if you've read the the title of this uh, of this show, uh, it, it says something about guessing the uh, the cards from uh, M25. And so the the deal with that is there is a card reprinted M25 from every Magic set uh, ever created. I'm assuming every main Magic set ever created. Um, and we we've taken out the the like uh, you know uh, fourth fifth sixth seventh editions 
and and just gone and just gone with the the original printings of of uh, cards. I would also assume that there's not going to be any silver bordered stuff in this one. Yeah, I don't think silver border will be in there. Starter 2000, I think, was all reprints, so that that probably won't be in there. But you know, uh, th- so this this leads us to an interesting puzzle of what could possibly be reprinted uh, in here. And and uh, so Phil and I sort of have our wish list, I suppose, of uh, of cards that we would like to see uh, come back into uh, into uh, uh, print for M25. Yeah, a lot of these cards that I actually marked down, I thought were cards that they would print on notoriety for, like, the history of Magic. Yeah. Because it's celebrating 25 years, but then also slotting in a couple of cards that might be a little pricey right now for Eternal Formats that they can kind of do here that they wouldn't necessarily do in Modern Masters. Uh, So I think, like... I mean, our lists are, are, are varied, and I think it'll be interesting just to talk about. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I guess the the caveat for, for the cards for me is is near the end, I started getting a little tired. And uh, a lot of these are wishlist cards. I don't think they're going to print all of these cards necessarily, but um, I, I'd, I'd like to see what our percentage is after after uh, we get we get done here. So we saved it, and so we're going to, you know, we'll have an idea of how close we were uh, to, to these being printed at afterwards, too. So. Oh, yeah, that uh... That'll be fun to see what our accuracy on these are. Yeah. I mean, to, to be honest, like they gave me the, g- giving me back Jason Modern is is already completed yeah. my wish list. So we should so we should we should level it in two ways. One, uh, you know, when we find everything out, the number right we got times the price of that card. <laughs> like whoever has oh, the yeah. most money at the end. Yeah, <laughs> I'm down. Right, wins that one monetarily for yeah. sure. And then whoever just had the most cards right. So like you I'm, know. If you get, we're obviously not going to get to get, guess Jace. Jace is, we, we know Jace is being reprinted from World Wake, right? We know but, Jace, we know Azusa, and we know Solemn Simulacrum. Oh, wow. Solemn Simulacrum. That, and that's the alpha card, right? Well, I don't know. That's, uh, that, sorry. That's, uh, what? I don't, don't take my word for it. I, I heard the rumor mill was Solemn because they were debating what that third card in the, uh, picture oh. spoiled was, where we figured out that it was Jace, Azusa, and then it, there was like a third looking artifact creature. Oh. Uh, I thought that was going it, that that was just going to be Ravager, and then I heard the rumor mill saying that it was Solemn. So and and uh, Solemn Simulacrum is what Mirrodin, Darksteel, or Fifth Dawn? I forget. Uh, I don't remember. Let's yeah, let's say it's from one of those. Uh, I didn't pick I didn't pick it for any of mine. So I didn't pick it either. Yeah. But uh, I I will not be surprised if that's what it is, since that's what's been going around the rumor mill. Okay. But, yeah. All right. So here we go. August fifth, nineteen ninety three. Alpha. Uh, we're gonna take Alpha Beta Unlimited Fourth Edition, fifth edition, all the way down, right? The, one card from from these from these sets, the original OG Magic set. Obviously not reserved list. Not yeah, we've we've removed cards from the reserved list. We've you know we were we we're aware of these, so uh, hopefully. All you people who wanted Rasputin Dreamweavers. <laughs> not gonna get them. All right, so what do you have, Phil? For Alpha. Yep. I put Force of Nature. Force of Nature. I put Force of Nature, and I chose that card. Not necessarily because it's the splashiest, but because I feel like it has a, an iconic enough feel to it. And I think they would want to start off, if they were going through history, they would want to start off with like a big, splashy, well-known effect uh, or well-known creature. And to me, that card was the one that stuck out to me when I was looking at the list of alpha cards. Uh, yeah, so I put Force of Nature, although I could see multiple cards i I definitely see your pick showing up as well yeah Uh, 
I just chose Force um, Major because I thought they would want to kick off with a bang. Yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a solid call. Uh, and in fact, I just changed my. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna say that you're probably right, and that changed my card in Legends. So uh, I, my my call for Alpha is Lightning Bolt. And I think um, if they were to do a Lightning Bolt with the original art, I could totally see that pick being really good. Yeah, I think I think Lightning Bolt is a solid limited card. You know, it fills in a common slot that you know uh, most of the cards I chose here were not commons. So, uh, so I think that's a that you know that's a card that like you know it's iconic. That's ma- that that's ma- that's Magic's Gathering as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and you also just pointed out something that I didn't. I, I it was in the back of my mind, but I didn't really take it into consideration for my picks, which might hurt my percentage when we actually calculate it. Is I didn't really think too much in for limited purposes. Yeah, I, and that I might thought come a back little to bit, me. but but we'll see. Uh, yeah. So so okay, right on to Arabian Nights. Yeah, so this was pretty much a, a, a nostalgia pick for me. Uh, I don't own any of these, and I don't foresee myself owning any in the near future unless they get them reprinted here. But my pick was out of the was, was a wild card. I said mountain with mountain. the Arabian Nights artwork. I have I have some white bordered mountains with the Arabian Nights artwork. Yeah, I, I think that because <laughs> like the that's like I don't know that seems to be just a, a nostalgic mountain for. Eternal players. Yeah. So I thought if they were going to do old school, like throw that in there and that will just be like you could post that up in your marketing and, and just have all of a sudden people are excited for a basic. Yeah. And I thought that would be really cool for 25th anniversary. The one thing that's been with Magic forever has been the five basic lands. And so I thought they would give they might give a nod to celebrating five basic lands by using the mountain, the one that was represented as remember when they only printed mountain. Yeah, for some reason so they were just like, oh, you know what? What would be in Arabian Nights as a as a as a theme? And the guy was like, mountain. I guess we'll just print mountain. Yeah, so they did that, and I'm like, oh man, that would like. I, I figure that it would be fun if when they were, if they explained. It, I think it would be really interesting if they made an article where they just explained why they chose what they chose. And I think if they did it, a lot of them would want stories attached to certain cards. Yeah. And I think that saying we wanted to give a, a nod to the actual foundation of magic, which is basic lands that they would do that with this pick. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I went with, uh, the original control draw engine Sinbad. It's a good one. Yeah. Sinbad is, uh, so for those of you who don't know, Sinbad is a one, one for two mana, one and a blue, and he can tap to draw a card from your library. But if that card is not a land, you have to discard it. So it was a way to get more lands, uh, when you were a blue deck. Which I mean, to this day, is still what every blue deck wants to be doing. Yeah, and and you know nowadays it it feeds your uh, Snapcaster Mage. And that would has has that card ever been reprinted? Uh, it was reprinted once in fourth edition. Oh, good. So it's yeah, yeah. it's primed it's primed for a reprint. Yeah, I don't think it was ever reprinted aside from fourth edition, but definitely in fourth edition because that's how I actually knew about the card. I like um, that people were that, like that was the enablers back. Yeah, it's like here's a yeah. two mana one one that you'll you'll on turn three you'll start seeing maybe some value out of this card. Yeah, YOLO. <laughs> like one in a blue. That card sounds great. Yeah. Um. So okay, Antiquities, March of 1994. It's a good year. I'm gonna say that right off the bat, I like your pick more than mine. Uh, but I I went with Ashnod's Altar. Yeah, Ashnod's Altar is a classic. Ashnod's Altar is a classic, and I also know that it's a big EDH card. Oh yeah. And I think that, like, it, if they can reprint that card wherever possible, it seems like 
OG Antiquities Ashnod Altar is a good spot. Ashnod's Altar, a classic enabler. Um, I went for a win condition. Uh, yeah, this, this is why I like it way more because <laughs> I don't know for anybody who plays 93, 94, but like I am an I I adore the the Stasis deck. Yep. And I, I'm way more I'm way higher on Felden's Cane as a win con than I am. Uh, Anything Black else? Vice? Yeah. It just, <laughs> I mean, it, honestly, it, it, I I sometimes don't even play either one and just wait for my opponent to to fold up his cards because he's already drawn two extra cards from my Howling Mine. That's also a way better. <laughs> uh win con is just making them scoop on their own yeah uh but i i definitely like your pick of feldon's cane yep so yeah so feldon's cane was my choice uh so let's move on to legends what's your pick in legends because this is going the, my pick just got changed by your by your force of nature i'm i'm really happy that i was able to inspire you mid-show uh <laughs> i chose the og nickel bolus oh yeah like the one where he's reading a book uh, I think if you are doing Magic's 25 years, you have to give a nod to its greatest villain. The the original Emperor, you know? The, ori many, the original, yeah. Not many people know that Nicol Bolas was the Emperor during Legends, and he was the guy who Tetsuo Umezawa stabbed with the Jite. God, you are you are just, like, getting to Vorthos's blood flowing now. <laughs> I I know very little about Vorthos, but I know that one thing. I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. I didn't know he was the Emperor. He was pretending to be a different guy the whole time. Uh, so yeah, my choice, um, you know, enlightened by the uh, force of nature pick, Spirit Link, because you can't play this card in you can't play that card in limited unless you have Spirit Link. Mm. I mean, Spirit Link was. W do you remember if that what was that card played in? Uh, originally, you was it? In, you uh, what was it? What deck was it played in? Yeah, was it was it? Oh yeah, you just threw it into any blue white control deck. It was either good to throw on your Sarah Angel to just like make sure you didn't die, or you threw it on your opponent's creature to make sure that you didn't die. Yeah, that was a, oh yeah, that's right. That was a that's a fun interaction where you just like can blank a creature because them attacking doesn't do anything. Yep, it was also really a fun good. card to throw on your Surrender Befreet. Oh yeah, now we're talking. See, this is this <laughs> is this is the the goodness of '94 Magic. So uh, going going from uh, June 1994 to August of 1994, that was only like, that's such a small amount of time. Uh, Dude, this is they also rec were recognizing then though that you, like the game was picking up and picking up really fast. So they recognized that they needed to start pumping out more cards. Yeah, this is funny because like looking at this timeline, like it just makes so much sense. Uh, some of the stuff that was printed that they were that you look at now and you're like, what is this trash? You know, it's like oh, there were two months in between these two sets. They were literally like. I don't know. You come up with a card, I guess. You know, like it was, just, it was, whatever you can do. You know, two months, and they—it's not like they had a big design team. Oh no, you know? it's like a couple of guys just like all of a sudden realize that they have the greatest game that's ever been created on their hands and have to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, then you get cards like, you know, uh, what is that? Uh, Heart of Darkness or Heart of Dark or whatever in, in the dark. So not not my choice in the dark. Uh, what was your choice in the dark? I chose Ball Lightning. Ball Lightning's a good call. Yeah, actually. I just chose Ball Lightning just because, like, that was an iconic red card. Oh, yeah. And I think, like, the same reasoning so far for the first six picks is they want the story that can go along with a card. And I think the OG Ball Lightning was a big deal for back back then. I remember the, no, nothing was cooler than uh, if you were playing a slide act back in the day and you had Blackboard or Ball Lightnings instead of those fourth edition ones. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, and that, it's fun to think nowadays... If you have black border duels, you're a high flyer. Yeah. 
back then, if you had blackboard or ball lightnings, you were the dude. Oh yeah, you were. You didn't even worry about what your what your duels look like. It didn't even matter. Yeah, yeah. you're just like whatever. Three three red. I remember opening my first pack of. Uh, I I I bought a uh, starter deck off of somebody for, from Revised in, in like freshman year of high school. I opened it up. And he'd already opened it, so he knew what was in it. And he just like sold it to me for ten dollars. He, he was like, "I don't play this dumb game anymore." And mm. I, I was like, "Ah oh, man, I got a land." It was a savanna, which, <laughs> which is insane, right? Yeah. Like, I get like back then, obviously, like that totally makes sense. But nowadays, if you could tell people that they could open up dual lands in packs, the world would collapse. Yeah. Um. So I chose Mind Bomb. Um. Which is a it's 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 to me just some of my favorite art, and I don't know that they'll reprint the art because. You know, they're probably not doing that, but it's it's my all-time favorite art on a Magic card. It literally looks like you're dropping atomic bombs with brains on the front of them. How does that even have to do with the dark? It's just the craziest concept. It's like a bomb yeah. during... It's like Innistrad. If they had a bomb in Innistrad that dropped, like, mind, you know, nukes on somebody. It's such a weird concept. Well, the other thing that's really interesting is that, like, that card had so much has so much utility because... If this weird lava spike that actually just is a functional discard outlet. Yeah. And so it's just like, I don't know, if you were just looking for ways to pitch cards to your yard, you just pay blue and dump three cards. It's like, it was like breakthrough before breakthrough. Oh, yeah. You could reanimate, you could animate dead something almost immediately after that. And, you know, if they don't have any cards in their hand, you know, lava spike them, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, on to November of 1994, Fallen Empires. This is about when I started. Fallen Empires. I chose a card that uh, is near and dear to my heart because if I were to play combo, I would love to be playing this deck. Uh, I chose High Tide. And I am a fan of the old Solidarity deck where you would just play your High Tides and your resets and then you would eventually be able to just stack your deck. So, like, you would make so much mana that, um, forgetting what the name of the card was, was but it, it was... Rack? No, it was, there was, um, God, why am I forgetting it? It's it's a, it's a literally, it's X blue, and you just get to look at the top card, top X cards of your library, <laughs> and then put them back in any order. Oh, God. So you just make infinite mana, and then essentially, like, or, you know, close to it with your high tides, but then essentially, you can just, like, tutor your whole deck but then stack your deck because you had so much mana and just looked at the top x and then you could put it back in any order that you wanted on the bottom of your deck but if you had your whole deck in your hands yeah. then you, you would just stack it in whatever order you wanted and at that point you would then be able to have the conversation with your opponent where you're going hey dude like i just cast this i still have like infinite blue mana in the pool and i'm about to stack my library do you want to just go to the next one or do you want to watch me play solitaire for yeah, a little while i'm literally gonna play and... magic by myself <laughs> And I think there is a point where, like, if when you're doing it, like, if you're a blue player and you're doing it, I don't think there is a, a, a deck that gives you a better high than that. Maybe casting Jace the Mind Sculptor, but outside of that, I want to be stacking my whole library off of Mono Islands. I did like exiling all of my opponent's stuff with uh, Parallax Wave and Parallax Tide during during. Replenish. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was always a fun thing, too. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have anything in play. Oh, I've yeah, got I mean, a bunch of 4-4s. Four I'm going to attack you. That's a good nod to today is where the uh, pirate stompy craze, people were paying Parallax Tide to try and exile all your lands. Mm. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Okay, so uh, on to June of 1995, Ice Age. Oh, I didn't talk about mine. Yeah, so I went with Acacian Javelineers. It's seen reprint as a time spiral uh, card, a time shifted card. So I figured um, 
you know, Occasion Javelineers is a classic uh, 1-1 uh, for white that uh, it, it has a counter on it and can tap and remove that counter to do one damage. I was like, that seems like a great uh, limited card that would, like, you know, basically get the soldier part of part of, uh, of a limited format going. And, you know, it's just a simple 1-1. Excellent flavor. Yeah. That's, that's like flavor. a classic. Guy... Everyone played that card back in the day in their white weenie deck. It was not only good, but... The counter representing their javelin that when they throw it to deal the damage, they don't have the javelin anymore, yeah. so they can't do it again is beautiful, beautiful design. Yep. All right, so now on to June of 1995, Ice Age. Uh, I chose – this is actually a nod because I didn't choose Dark Depths for when we get there, a little teaser. I didn't choose Dark Depths, so I actually chose the card Curse of Merit Lage. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the – I'm going to look it back up again. That way I can tell people exactly what it does. And I don't misquote the card because I can't imagine many people have uh, played with it. I want to think this was uh, a card I used to play sleight of mind with. Oh, did you? If this is the card it I'm thinking sense. of. It, it's, so it's, a, it's a, a red enchantment for three red red. And it says when Curse of Merrill's Lage comes into play, tap all islands. They don't untap during their controller's untap phase. So it essentially just nuked the islands, kept them tapped down, and that was it. Yeah. So five-man enchantment, enchantment taps all of their islands. They don't untap. Not as so rude as like, Boyle, but still pretty rude. It's not as rude, but it it is – it's like – it's what Boyle was before Boyle. Yeah. So it was Magical uh, Hack. I played it with – I played Magical Hack with this. There you go. Yeah. And I gave I, I chose that card because I figured if once again if they were talking about the history of magic that Merit Lage is, a, you know, a, a legendary creature that they put onto a land. I think it's it's still to this day where it's a big facet of legacy, and uh, I figured that they would give a nod to Merit Lage at some point within Magic Twenty Five. Yeah, um, I chose Stormbind, and that was mostly because. I used to love playing Stormbind back in the day. I'd play a Juggle Hop Stormbind deck because you get to keep your Stormbind after you cast Juggle Hops. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I figured there might be sort of like a uh, you know madness kind of theme in this in this uh, set because madness was a thing, right? So this for anyone for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Stormbind is an enchantment for one red green. It's two discard a card at random, and then Stormbind will deal two damage to a creature or a player yeah it was it was a great uh it was it was a really awesome card because it gave you this it gave you reach if you were in a, a green red deck to begin with so you know you're like playing your land war elf out then you get Urnum Jin out and you're like casting lightning bolts and stuff and then you just run out of gas and you're drawing land and you're like oh no but if you had stormbind you could just t start tossing land at your opponent well, the interesting thing, too, about this card is that when I saw it on your list, the first thing that actually came to mind for modern day was Hazaret. Oh, yeah. Because that's yeah. it's essentially like, I mean, it's not just Hazaret isn't discard a card at random, but like the effect of just discarding cards to turn them into shocks. Yep. Uh, I'm like when I saw it, I immediately thought of Hazaret and I was like, oh, that's actually I wonder if they were when they were looking at uh, effects to tack onto those gods, if they looked at Stormbind as a thing for Hazaret. Yeah, it's funny because. You know, you have a three mana card that's two colors, right? So effectively, like it's you know, almost four mana, right? And then you have a card like Hazaret, which is basically what one more mana for a six five indestructible creature that also yeah, does a, this effect. A, a, a five four for four. The only difference <laughs> here is that like you, you, it's two and a red, but and can only go to the face, but it's not discarding a card at random. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and Stormbind is just like 
it's so interesting because it's a card that I can't imagine would see play now because it's just way too it's way it's, too expensive. It's legally but, like, modern. I see, but I could imagine back in the day just like yeah, crushing people as like a way to turn every card that you top deck into a shock. Yeah, this was uh, another one of those time shifted cards, which was which is now legal in modern. So you you could have you could play Stormbind if you really want to in modern. I mean, at some point, like that's the, this is the type of card where because you can activate it as long as you have a card to discard there's like i see cards like this that don't actually have um like you can activate it more than once per turn that there's always combo potential with these kinds of cards Mm -hmm. i mean i can't imagine there's one right now because this one seems slow but like it's got like if i were if i were playing back then and saw this card and was looking at those metrics for things that can just do outrageously busted stuff this is a card that would spike in my head well you know a lot of times back in the day people played it with land tax Oh yeah, just like get free cards. Yep. Because then, then you had you you guarantee that you have enough lands out to to take advantage of this card, and then you get to a point where you're just like, oh, I'll just put six six damage in my hand and slam you for for six mana. You know, you're literally trading one mana for one damage, which you know back in the day was was a lot. Um, and uh, you know, a three color a three color like Naya deck, you had all all the great cards in your deck. You had, uh, you know, uh. Swords of Plowshares, Arnhem Jin, Lightning Bolt. It was, you know, it was everything you'd want to do in in standard at the time. And sometimes they'd play Land's Edge and Land Tax too. It was, mm-hmm. it was a real combo. But uh, so Dude, now on to October of 1995, yeah, the much maligned yeah. Homeland set. I mean, my pick was pretty straightforward. I chose the only card that I ever saw play, which is Serrated Arrows. Yeah. I didn't really, I didn't really think too hard on Homelands. I was just like. If they're going to be talking in Magic 25 and be giving any nod to Homelands, which I don't think they want to, but if they have to, <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to talk about the only card that's all play. Yeah. Uh, so I just... Serrated Arrows is a very good choice. Uh, yeah. my, I chose Ishin Shade, which is a six-mana 5-5 five five that has protection from black, mm-hmm. um, which did it did see play as like a one-of in, in Necropotence during this, this era. Um, but uh, honestly, like, there's not everything that you would think to reprint from this set uh, is on the reserve list, like Baron Gear on the reserve list, you know, Autumn Willow reserve list. So th- this whole set, like anything that was even remotely playable is on the reserve list. Which, thank God for the people that are in favor of the reserve list, none of their Homelands cards are going to get reprinted. Yeah, good God. That would be yeah. terrible. Can you imagine the value that would be lost? <laughs> Uh, so Sorry, I, I, let me let me just brush the irony out of my mouth. <laughs> so let's go to June of 1996. A, a, a long time between Homelands and Alliances, honestly. October of 95 to June 96. I wonder why that span of time took place. I wonder if because of Homelands was a flop, if they took extra time to make sure that the following set was going to be good. I bet that was part of it. You know, and I almost feel like maybe there was something in between in between those two that maybe they maybe they released as well. No, it doesn't look like it. No, that's that's it. So yeah, uh so on to on to alliances, which was a lot better than Homelands. Yeah, and once again, I think I I think because we now have these uh, this wager of accuracy percentage, I think your pick for alliances is way better than mine again. Yeah, I didn't, uh, that, I didn't think about that when I was. You didn't think about this one at all, and I, this, and it was the card like your pick was what I was thinking when I first saw alliances, but then I actually looked through the list. I chose Elvish Ranger. Okay. And here's why: I chose Elvish Ranger because of the art, and I remember that the Elvish Ranger art for anybody who doesn't know the Elvish Ranger o- original art. 
go look it up. That was the art that I remember talked about like all this promiscuity within the game. Oh yeah. And it was just like, is this okay for our kids to be playing? Because there was all of the talk where they, they had to get, um, whatchamacallit the what's the 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 star off the demonic tutor what's that called the uh, the pentagram the pentagram they had to get the pentagram off that and like they had all of these things where they had to worry about their art and i remember elvish ranger is just like this oiled up like uh scantily clad elf and like that was a big deal yeah <laughs> and I was, like thinking back on it now it's like really that's what that was what was on the people's minds back then no one was worried uh, about earthbind no yeah and it's just it's like <laughs> I, I i was going through the list i saw elvis ranger and i'm like there's the story that's the story yeah. that I, I recall i'm putting that on my list so i chose i this is a boring one i chose force of will they're just like it, why why wouldn't they just get if they get a chance just keep printing this card until people don't need it anymore keep like, printing the card until people don't need it and i also think that they need like Azusa and Jace, which you already know about, are going to be big ways to sell the set, but they need other things to sell the set oh, too. Yeah, yeah. So I think that pick, I, I can't imagine they choose anything else other than Force of Will. I think this is a shoe in for you. Uh, yeah. So uh, okay, on to October uh, of 1996. So just a just a what? Uh, five months later, four months later, uh, onto the onto Mirage, which was my first Pro Tour qualifier. Oh, nice. How'd you do? <laughs> I think I was one in eight. <laughs> I played all the rounds though. Well, hey, here's the thing. It's your first one, and you walked out with the W, and here yeah. you are today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Mirage of in October of 1996. What did you go with? Uh, for Mirage, I chose Infernal Contract. I like that. Yeah. Uh, nothing crazy in terms of my thought process behind it. I was looking for, after all of the picks that I had chosen so far, I was like, I think I need to start inserting some power uh like powerful cards for them to actually sell this set and so i thought infernal contract was something that stuck out to me as you know probably one of the more busted cards that they could uh tack in there so that's why i chose it yeah uh i uh, you know looking looking at the list now maybe i should have i i i i feel like i may, might have chosen something else but i think Te uh teferi's moat uh it, it, teferi's moat was my choice um, and, you know, I love this card and hate this card for so many reasons. One, because it's just no good against Eldrazi. And it right. would, if it was, man, Moat wouldn't be like a $500 card right now, you know? Yeah, I mean, right now, uh, I feel like... I, I also, I mean, from just from a Vorthos perspective, I like your pick because they obviously want to... They're going to want Teferi somewhere yeah. mentioned in yeah. their Masters 25. Uh, I fully agree with you. Anything that I could play to put the kibosh on an Eldrazi player doing anything is delightful to me. <laughs> uh, so I support uh, wanting it to be good against Eldrazi despite it not being so. Yep. Uh, so onward to Visions, February 1997. You and I weren't too far off on our thought process. I've, I chose Teferi's Puzzle Box for this one. Ooh, the Puzzle and Box. I chose the Puzzle Box. It has been reprinted before. Uh, but I chose the puzzle box primarily because it had Teferi's name in it for the similar reason that I chose Curse of Merit Lage because it had Merit Lage's name in it. Ah, that's a good call. Uh, yeah. I decided to go with uh, the, the first real combo deck uh, from, from Magic's history, which was Prosperity. Yeah, real delight. Uh, that, that deck was the... I mean, I remember the first time someone played that deck against me and I was just like, that is not a way I even thought you could play this game. You want to tell everybody how 
that deck actually won? Yeah. So what you would do is you would uh you would play Cadaverous Bloom, which is a five mana uh black and green enchantment that allowed you to remove from the game cards from your hand to produce either two green or two black mana, and then you would cast Prosperity. So basically, you would ditch all the cards in your hand and produce double double the amount of mana, right? And you do that a couple of times because you'd end up drawing another Prosperity and doing it again. And then you would ditch all the cards from your hand when you had 10 cards in your hand and point the point a Drain Life at your opponent. That's like... Um, there's just all of the busted things that make uh, combo decks work, right? You just had like degenerate mana production, yep. infinite card draw, and then just your pseudo tendrils. Yeah, and so there wasn't great like uh, discard at the time. The, the the card that they used to to like make it so your opponent couldn't interact with you was City of Solitude. And that is still like a sideboard played card today. Yeah, you're you're you just can't do anything on your opponent's turns. So yeah, you drop two cards great, from your right? hand. You have one floating. You're like, I'll put a City of Solitude into play, and now I'll start going off. And it's one of those things where, like, if they counter the City of Solitude, you're like, all right, whatever, going off anyway. Yeah, I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, it's just, and in just fact, as good Infernal as well. Tutor was a card that was also played in that deck. And uh, I don't know if anybody knows this, but Infernal Tutor is a good card. Yeah, it's a reasonably good card. It is a pretty good card. Yeah, I used to play it in Necropotence. Is just like, uh, oh well. I'm at two. I might as well go to one and draw four cards. Yeah. I mean, I would consider that card being what I would call a good card. Yeah. I, I yeah, exactly. So, that, that, that's, the, <laughs> that's the extent of, of, of my analysis on that card. I look at it and go, yeah, this is this is what uh, busted stuff happens in Magic. Is well, with... You know, what's funny is, is you know, I, we didn't pick uh, Necropotence for Ice Age because it just had gotten a reprint. I would assume that that's kind of what we both looked at. Um, but uh, that was like the first time when you looked at something and we were like, oh, life is a resource in this game. I should mm-hmm. use my life to win the game. And then mm-hmm. you look at Infernal Tutor and you're like, or Infernal Contract and you're like, is that is that too much life? You're like, nope. Definitely not. Because <laughs> guess what? When you're comboing them out, nothing matters. Yeah, no, you can win at one life. Yep. So, One uh, is the same as 20, doesn't matter. Yep, so, okay, on to Weatherlight, June 1997. Yes, Weatherlight, I chose Ophidian. Ophidian, that's a good call. I chose Ophidian because I said, like, like legendary card within the game. Like, it's what Finkel used constantly when he was just the champion of everything. Yeah, that was, was like, Forbidian. Like, yeah, exactly, like, it, it, had, it, it built a deck... It won multiple titles. It has standing history. It's related to one of the best ever. Like yeah. this card has everything that I would think that they would want to put into uh, a, a set that's talking about the history of Magic. And finally, I can say that I chose something that has reasonable play in limited. Yes, it's a good limited card. Yeah, it's a great um, limited card. Yeah. So I decided to go with Gemstone Mine because I ha- I don't think the card's seen reprint in a really long time and. I think that that's just a card, you know, like people people want to play. It's played in Dredge, you know. It, it's a, it's a good card that like people actually want. It's a great pick, and it is modern legal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know that like ad nauseum, you sometimes would play it, uh, but the fact that it is a modern legal card, I think, is makes your pick here very good. Awesome. So okay, so let's go into. 
October of 1997. Um, uh, that's yeah, they're on the they're on the October like uh, June October March plan at this point. So that they're you know they're we're into seeing like almost a regular like magic uh, kind of uh, schedule happening now. So October of 1997, we hit uh, our first real block. Because uh, mm-hmm. Mirage, Visions, Weatherlight, I don't think they exactly knew that that was going to be a block yet. But then they're like, oh, three sets is a thing we're going to do now for sure. And so that is uh, Tempest, Stronghold, and Exodus. So let's start off with Tempest. Uh, for Tempest, I chose Capsize. Capsize is a Punisher. Yeah, Capsize is a, a total Punisher. Great win con for decks back then where you just got to a certain point uh, where you could just buy it back every turn. And then their game could just never progress. Uh, it was a great win condition. I think it's a great nod to buy back as a mechanic. It was one of the most popular cards, or one of the stronger cards for that. And uh, I think just being able to pay six mana to bounce a permanent every turn uh, made a bunch of decks really good. Oh yeah, I uh, remember. And... I remember uh, a couple years ago they did Tempest Remastered, and, and uh, the strongest deck for for my druthers in in that format was the the white blue like just control deck. And man, when you get up to twelve mana and you just go. Capsize, capsize, and you just watch people scoop immediately. The, the game's over. They're just like, I don't even want to play anymore. I'm yeah, done. At that point, I'm done. Like, they're just locked. They, yeah. they can just never progress their game. So it's like you just have, you just buy it. Like every time you buy something, you can buy capsize back. Their game just stalls wherever it is. And so if they can, if they just can't beat you with what they have, they just will never beat you. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, onward to. Oh, I, I guess I should choose mine. Uh, so I chose reanimate. Uh, it's a card that I think we want to see those, you know, we want to see reanimate, uh, back in, you know, just reprinted again. And it's a classic, uh, strategy for limited is, is re is reanimator. So it just, it just seemed to make sense to me. Classic effect, classic card. It's currently like what? 10 bucks. Yeah. It's it's like something like that. So So I could be getting knocked down and I could, it could be printed in a rare or as an uncommon being knocked down to like five bucks. Yeah. Totally reasonable. Like, I think that's a smart pick for sure. Uh, so, so on to Stronghold, March of 1998. Yeah, your pick for Stronghold actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, I like yours a lot. I chose Burgeoning uh, just because I know it's a uh, casual appeal. Uh, yeah. I know EDH, like, you play that. You're playing with four people. It comes in for one green. It says that any time an opponent plays a land, you can put a land from your hand onto the board. So if you're just on the play and you're playing with four people, put down a land. By the time it comes back to you, you have... No, all of your lands that were in your opening hand on the table and you're just way ahead for the rest of the game so i thought burgeoning would be a good card for to them for them to appeal to edh players then you'd put horn of greed into play and and you're off to the races and then like <laughs> you then all of a sudden you're like doing exactly what this show is for right yeah dirtle forever you were literally dirtling uh so uh i i decided to go with ensnaring bridge uh man such a maligned card in my opinion i really don't like that card but uh, it's, it's a card that needs a reprint at $50 or something like that. Uh, it, it just, it, it, this is another card that puts up the value of the set a little bit too. Uh, I, that's I, fair. I, I'm not happy to see this on the other side of the board ever. And I really don't like yeah. that. It's, uh, like, you know, your people are going to choose to, uh, have, play this in limited kind of, it's kind of terrible, but it's a rare, maybe even a mythic yeah. rare, you know, like, so I, I think it's, it's fine to, to reprint this in this, in this particular set. I think it's a great money card to reprint. I also like think even when we ever talk about uh, bands again, one thing that they've never like I know Ensnaring Bridge was uh, people had it in their minds on to be on the chopping block after it won this PT. 
Uh, and one of the things for Ensnaring Bridge that I don't think they've ever really talked about in their ban list consideration are cards that just obsolete one area of the game. Right? Yeah, I mean... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's... it's. I have such a problem with this card because, like, you know, knowing, knowing like, it, you're, it rewards your opponent for playing poorly, which is, like, real a, a real drag. <laughs> you know, like, you, oh, you don't have any cards in your hand? Awesome. And it's, like, top deck and snaring bridge, and you're like, oh, I'm never going to win. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, it's, it's funny cause like the, the deck, the, the decks that play this, you know, really capitalize off this. And I can't say that what they're doing is any more or less fair than in what any other deck is doing. Honestly, it just like makes you deal with your opponent on a completely different metric. Um, you know, I, there, I have stories uh, about games I've won where my opponent had out snare and snaring bridge and I had, you know, they were like a burn player and I, I was like, Oh, well, you know, what do you got in your hand? And I see that they have a bunch of creature removal, but they can't. Uh, target any of my guys because I'm playing rug and I have like true name down and nimble mongoose and I'm like well that resolves and they have like three cards in their hand the rest of the game because they're playing with like searing bloods and stuff so I, it's funny because like this this card is I, I hate seeing it across this, the other side of the board for me but yep. it is a card that if, if they're going to allow it to be played it needs a reprint that's fair I fully agree with everything you said I think that uh you bringing up true name, I would lump them into the same category where oh, they yeah. just cut off a means of interaction that would happen within the game. One just completely shuts off combat, like combat just doesn't exist. The other one uh, shuts off interaction of any kind. So it makes it so the play patterns are always the same. And I think that that's the type of design that they run into mistakes is when a card has no texture to be like it's replayability. It just doesn't have it because... Yeah. It's always the same. Every time an ensnaring bridge hits the table, the same game plays out when it hits the table. Yeah. And I think cards like that are dangerous, but I fully agree. If, if this card is just going to stay around, which I, I think it will, totally in need of a reprint. Yeah, and I, I, I actually have no problem with this deck in, in Legacy. If you're not playing some kind of way to deal with this card in Legacy, you have, you know, you, you're doing something probably terrible to your opponent anyhow. Uh, right. So, so I think, like, you know, if, if, if you... Our, our sneaking show and someone puts an ensnaring bridge down you know what you got got you know like yeah <laughs> I, I think it's fine to, to punish the decks that are totally linearly focused mm -hmm. you know i think you should be challenged in your, in your deck building to be able to play on multiple axes and i think if you can't if you can only fight on one axis and then there's a card that can just shut down that axis and then you can't do anything about it like you should be rethinking your deck choice so i think that's that is a positive from it actually yeah, yeah. So in June, uh, two sets were printed, and we're going to finish the block out first and talk about Exodus, sure. and, and then we'll circle back to the other one. So uh, June of 1998, uh, we have Exodus. What would you choose? I chose Cataclysm. Cataclysm is a great choice. Great choice. Uh, I it, When I was looking through the Exodus cards, Cataclysm stuck out to me because I know that it is a really popular sideboard card for D&T. It's a really powerful effect. The story behind Cataclysm uh, with... Um, Weatherlight is good for narrative when they're talking about Magic 25. I thought it just hit all of the notes that I thought that they would care about for this set, and so that's why it's my pick. All right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good call. I think I think that there, that's a, a card that I, maybe, what, like $10, $5, something around there? So it doesn't like... Yeah, somewhere in that range. Yeah, it doesn't need a reprint, but a reprint is fine there, and it's also, like, one of those things where, like, in limited, like, you need to have, like, a white removal spell that, like, just screws everybody in limited. So I think, I think that's a, that's a fair call. Um, so I chose Spike Weaver, which, uh, 
you know, as far as Ensnaring Bridge is concerned, it's sort of the same sort of situation uh, because that was a card that you played with uh, Stampeding Wildebeest and you just bounced it back to your hand every turn. If your opponent couldn't get rid of uh, the Spike Weaver, they just could never attack you. Yeah, I mean, the Spike Weaver also being one of the... Was it one of the first, like, playable creatures that had the, like, just move my counters around type of effects? Yeah, it was that, that, was, that like, that, that drone. Like, yep. That was, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's another card that, like, did that beforehand. So it also is just a, um, like, it's an original effect for what it did at the time. Yeah, I think, like, the only card that was sort of similar to that was, like, Fungal Bloom could put counters onto Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the other back. thing that's cool about Spike Weaver is that its creature type is Spike. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can, I, like, I will definitely give you points if you can tell me another spike in the game. Uh, yeah, well, spike drone. Oh yeah, you okay? <laughs> I, I can see you got me. How many points I mean, did I get? You got all of them. I, that's, spike, you got all the like, points. I think there's like spike thrower. Or yeah, I just there was there were like in Exodus there were like five or six spikes that they created, and that was the one of the one of the um, mechanics during that set was that and Lissids. If I don't know if you remember Lissids. Uh, not particularly well. So Lissids were kind of cool uh, because it was really great and limited. Lissids were creatures that were like one ones that could turn into enchantments and and be an aura on a creature. So you oh, could. So that, that's interesting. That that yeah. That's um. I wonder if that was inspiration for Bestow. I, a little bit. So the thing the thing that's great about about Lissids is like you know you look at a you look at a card like this initially and you're like this is draft trash. I don't want to play with this in my draft. Like I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make this my 23rd pick. And then people figured out that you could block, put damage on the stack, throw your listed onto another guy. So it wouldn't take any damage, you know, and maybe kill a creature, maybe not kill a creature, but always block a creature. Mm. Right. And so they became, they became this just wall that you could, that you could throw down and always, you could even put it on your opponent's guy. You know, um, I, I'm, I, I think I haven't read a listed for a while, but, uh, listed's, could like go onto your opponent's creature. So this was about the same time that slivers were out, slivers, lissids, and spikes were like a thing. Man, what a time for that kind of tribal. Yeah. Um. So uh. So now also in June of 1998, uh, Portal Second Age uh, came mm-hmm. out, and we didn't actually talk about Portal uh, the first Portal. So let's do both of those. All right. So for first Portal, let me pull back my list and see what I brought up for Portal. Uh, so first portal, I actually uh, chose a card called Deja Vu. Ooh. Uh, what does that do? So let me pull it back up. That way I can, because all these cards, I never know if uh, they're Oracle text change. This one was oh. fairly simple, though. It's a card that sees a lot of um, things that are similar to it. Uh, so Deja Vu is a sorcery for two and a blue, and it returns anyone's sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So. Seems good. They actually just printed something very similar to this in the new set, uh, which is a flood of recollection of recollection or something like that. It's blue, blue, where it lets you regrow an instant or a sorcery. Uh, So it's pretty much just way more powerful. But uh, I thought for the um, tongue in cheek nod for the set, I thought Deja Vu was going to be fun for Magic 25 where they're, they're, you know, right? Like, hey, trip down memory lane. And I thought Deja Vu was like a nice little. You know, a tongue-in-cheek way to, for them to do stuff. Yeah. So that's why I chose it. Yeah, it's a good choice, and it's also a fun choice too. Like it's it makes it makes sense. Um, 
so I was going to choose this card for for visions, but I I thought to myself maybe I want prosperity for visions because it's got like more of a more of a you know history of magic kind of context to it. But right uh, natural order uh, for for the first portal uh, mm-hmm. is the one with the guy, the natural order with the guy on it. Yeah. Does anybody ever? Does anybody know what's going on in that artwork? He's he's natural ordering, man. He's, he's just he's, he's, yeah. He's just making his natural order, right? That's that's what I assume my L's opponent is is when he's going to get like whatever creature is going to ruin the game for me. That's he's he's the guy. I hope some <laughs> someday somebody cosplays as that guy. That <laughs> just, way they can just do that pose every time they cast it. Yeah, they just like you know walk around with a giant sun behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, so into into Portal Second Age, what did you what did you go with? Uh, for Portal Second Age, I chose Sleight of Hand. Sleight of Hand's a really good a really good choice, actually. I thought they were just like nice, clean reprint for modern. Uh, uh, so I figured it would be a good way for them to either uh, one update the art, even though there are two artworks for Sleight. Um, but uh, one thing is, I know I like the original artwork for Sleight of Hand. It looks way cooler. And it's and, black bordered. Well, and the thing is, is that getting the black border is actually really hard because it only came in the starter. Yeah. So they're, the black border slides are way more expensive than just the regular white border slides, which is what you could get for port, from Portal. Yeah. And so I think if they just updated it and then gave it the black border for the original art, I thought it would be a nice nod. I mean, that's something that I as a turn player would want, but I also thought it was just like, a very simple card that they could definitely slip into the set. Yep. Well, I chose uh, another, you know, another pretty powerful draw spell right now, uh, Goblin mm-hmm. Lore. I was curious when I saw that you had this pick. I was curious about Goblin Lore because I know that their decision making for what they were going to put in the set had to have come way before oh, yeah. they knew that Hollowed One was the deck. But if they called this, that would be incredible. Yeah, and I'd and I'd really scoop up some extra points on that whole money thing. <laughs> that would be a huge pick, especially since now Goblin Lord definitely wants a reprint because it like spiked to fifteen bucks. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like, and judging two how two printings like, of that, two printings, and judging from what it looked like people were doing after the GP afterwards, it looks like that deck is for real and is going to be around for a while. Yeah, so. I like that deck. I like that deck because it's friggin' real weird, and like you know, it's just something not you're not naturally seeing all the time, you know. And if and to be fair, it's also very good for coverage. Like that card, oh, yeah. that, that deck's very exciting to watch on coverage. Uh, which is uh, it's really interesting to go from people who hate watching Lantern on coverage from your last pick of Ensnaring Bridge yeah. to a deck that people really love watching on coverage, which is the Hollow One deck with Goblin Lore. It's like you're you're hitting all the bases here. Well, you know, if there's one thing Magic players like, it's it's free creatures and drawing cards. You know, you don't have to convince me. I yeah. get that. <laughs> All right, so uh, October of 1998, uh, this was my, uh, what, uh, junior year of high school. Uh, I chose Back to Basics. I think Back to Basics is a card that is not as hateful as something like Blood Moon, but still something that I like having around and this is like as a as a newly pointed pile player, I still think that those types of effects are good to have to punish the people who want to get too greedy. Oh yeah, and also and like uh, there's there's a time when you go into uh, like sealed for these events where you open something like this and you're like son of a bitch. You yeah, know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like not where you want to be. Definitely not where you want to be for limited. Outside of that, uh, you know, mono non basics uh, limited 
format that existed at some point in the history of magic yeah <laughs> um for urza saga i chose arcane laboratory so we were both on the oh, hate it's a classic the, hate, the hateful plan for oh yeah for this busted set three mana blue hateful cards yeah just all of all of the you don't get to have any fun cards all right so uh let's 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 pick up the pace a little bit here and uh sure we're gonna we're gonna do uh we're gonna do uh the rest is of urza so uh tell me your next two picks for urza's legacy and destiny i chose avalanche riders and academy rector i think both cards are playable uh both i think are fine reprints and uh to me makes sense for the rest of the urza's block uh yeah i mean i i agree i agree with both of the both of those choices uh i i think rector uh is on the reserve list though oh is it really yeah did i, I, did I choose the one that's on the reserve list oh well Oh man, but, I'm gonna lose points now. Yeah, yeah. No, the, so but Rector would be great. I mean, I I remember playing Rector back in the day and just attacking my opponent with Rector because they did not want me to put Yogmoth's Bargain out. Yeah, so they would just let you. All, all of a sudden, it has die. What's that? All of a sudden, the card just gains unblockable because nobody oh, yeah. will interact with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we used to we used to do you know like maybe 12 points of damage with the Rector and then go off, and we used to say. Rector, damn near killed him. Got wrecked. <laughs> the best pun I'm gonna have all night. Yep. Uh, okay, so I went with Defensive Heart, which is a uh, you know an EDH staple, and I went with Elvish Piper, which is an EDH staple. I think these are smart picks for things that they could put into this set for sure. Um, so let's go to Portal Three Kingdoms. I don't have much to say about those two cards aside from they're green and they put big creatures into play. Yeah, uh, for Portal Three Kingdoms, I thought they would just do a fun. Uh, I thought I, I put Peach Garden Oath. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, they're just gonna take a nod and recognize the professional players, and you know, Peach Garden Oath is everybody knows that that's their team name, and I think that giving your nod to your pro players, which is a big part of magic is a nice thing to put in for magic 25. And what does peach garden oath do? You gain two life for each creature you control. That's pretty good. I mean, if you're if, trying to gain life, if you're on the gain <laughs> life plan, it's uh, Hey, I mean, spend that one white, get all that life. Yep. All right. So I went with, uh, Lou Zun and I have to figure out what he does again. Cause I was looking at this <laughs> today and like, I was like, um, I guess this is fine. So, uh, yeah, Luzon. Is, oh, Luzon is is a uh, horsemanship version of uh, Thieving Magpie or Ophidian. He does the, he does the damage. And who doesn't want to see horsemanship in Magic Twenty Five? Oh yeah, come on. Got to have it. One unblockable horsemanship creature. I think uh, one 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 horsemanship creature needs to exist in this set for sure. Yeah. Um. So, uh, going on to starter nineteen ninety nine July of nineteen ninety nine. So this was the Summer of me being out of high school. So I actually um, wanted to, so for starter 1999, that was where you could get your black bordered sleight of hands. Yep. Uh, and so I doubled up. I put, I chose sleight, sleight of hand, hand again. All right. Well, we'll give you, I, I'm, we'll give I'm you double the value. Bandwagon. I um, really want my black bordered OG art sleight of hands. So I don't think they'll do this. No, I don't think so either. But I said Grim Tutor. Yeah. This is, this is. From from here on out, we just get into into magical Christmas land for me, where I'm just like throwing haymakers out uh, about what I think they should reprint. Yeah, right. I, I, that, I mean, I, I agree. I think it would be sweet if they did print that card, but I just don't. I would be really surprised. Can you imagine they'd just crash yeah. the if they made just just what I put down as a set, they just crashed the magic market. It would be delightful. Uh, um, okay, so let's let's talk about mask block. So we're gonna go uh, masks, nemesis, and prophecy. Sounds good. 
for mask, I chose Port. Rashad and Port. I also chose Rashad and Port. Our, our first one where we agree on something, I don't see another card that they would be looking at for this type of reprint. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine them printing printing anything else from this set aside. From it just port. doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, they need they need to reprint Port. They've needed to for a long time. There's no better time than now. And also, Rashad and Port would be another great way to push this set. Yep. Uh, and to Nemesis. Uh, I chose Flame Flamerift. Flamerift. Uh, Flame so fun fact: Flamerift doesn't have a reprint. No, and it was it draft trash back in the day too. Can't tell you how many of those I threw out. They're probably yep. what like five, six dollars right now. I mean, they're just like a four of in Legacy Burn. I hate that deck with a fiery passion. Uh, but the fact that this card has never seen a reprint and is a four of in a deck that still sees play, I figured they would throw Flamerift in here. Yep. Uh, I went with Days. Smart. Yeah, why not? I mean, they pr- they reprinted Days in the last m- Master Set. Just keep reprinting it till till people don't need them anymore. Yeah, I think just having like the stable cards of Legacy being reprinted constantly until it's more affordable for people to get into the format where the bulk of their money only has to go towards duels, I think is great. Yeah. Uh, into Prophecy. I chose a card called Celestial Convergence. Whoa, what does that do? So Celestial Convergence is just, I think, a fun... So I'll tell you what it is. It's a four-mana enchantment. It costs two white-white. And it says when it comes into play, it comes in with seven omen counters. At the beginning of your upkeep, you remove an omen counter. Uh, and if there are no omen counters on it, the player who has the highest life total wins. What? Oh, so, yeah, that is oh, a weird magic card. It's fun. It's a weird magic card. I love the type of card. I mean, usually these cards are never competitive play, never see competitive play. But I love when I'm reading a spoiler, I love the cards that give you alternate win cons. Oh, yeah. Or that create sub games while you're playing. So all of a sudden you slap this down and the rules of engagement change. Yeah, people aren't necessarily uh, attacking just because they want to see someone's life uh, life go to zero, but they're just trying to figure out ways to like chip in, not keep their creatures alive or whatever, just so that they can make sure that they have a higher life total at the end. Well, now all of a sudden that you you put the game on a seven turn clock, yeah, right, with the omen counters. So there are positions where you would be in a race where if my life total is higher than yours, even though it would make sense for me to attack to try and get your life total to zero. I might just want to sit back and block since my life total is higher. Yeah. So all of a sudden it changes the rules of engagement for how a normal game would be played. And I think those types of cards are so much fun. Yeah. Uh, I went with uh, Rhystic Tutor, which is, uh, you know, it's like a classic, you know, EDH playable. Uh, it's it's a form. Uh, sorry, it's a three mana uh, demonic tutor. But if someone pays two mana, it counters it, basically. And I think like the, the, the type, <laughs> these types of cards... Uh, that are like EDH staples, every time they print it, the price always goes down. But the thing is, is then they always go right back up. Yep. Like that happens like 100% of the time with EDH staples. And I think like the same way that we're talking about print all the eternal staples until people can afford the format, do the same thing with EDH. Yep. Uh, all right. So we've, now we're on to invasion block, invasion, plane shift and apocalypse. Uh, what are your choices for those, for those three? Do all three I- of them. I chose Dueling Grounds uh, for Invasion, yep. Cavern Harpy for Plane Shift, and then we get into a section of my picks where I just was going with a lot of five-color cards. I chose Chromat for Apocalypse. Nice. Um, so what, is, uh, what was the first one? Dueling Grounds. Dueling Grounds. Is, what was that, Dueling Grounds? Uh, Dueling Grounds makes it so it's a three-man enchantment for one green and white, and it says that each player can only attack with one creature and block with one creature every combat. Oh, weird. So it like turns your you into Arena, basically. Yeah, and I think like, if uh, anybody who uh, doesn't know the card in your head, go look at the artwork. I think the artwork where you get to talk about Gerard uh, 
in that like the whole storyline with Weatherlight is since that was such a huge story, I think they have to give multiple nods to it for Magic Twenty Five, and I thought that that would be a good card since he's so prominent in that artwork. Cool. Uh, I I went with uh, Elvish Champion, Flame Tongue Cavu, and Spirit Monger. I think all of your picks just being competitive, playable cards are really good picks. Yeah, I mean, and all of these cards, you know, like, obviously Spiritmonger is good, right? But Flametongue Cavu is a card that we're not, like, looking for reprint on, but is an is amazing uh, limited card. And uh, an Elvish Champion, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe they'll have, like, an elf sub-theme in, in this set. I think that's smart. And Flametongue Cavu also has the, the history of, it's now in our vernacular for oh, yeah. magic. FTK. When, yeah, just FTK, and then when a creature comes in to kill something, or, like, does something to a creature... You just call it flame tonguing. Yeah. So like the new card that came out, what was it? The um, the ravenous chupacabra. Yep. People were just saying, yeah, when you cast that, you just get to flame tongue a creature. And I think that it, because that card is part of our vernacular, that's actually a really great pick. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it wasn't the first card to do that. Necrotal was really Necrotal and uh, and Man of War were like the first cards to really do that. Word. The original like 187 creatures they called them, but yep. flame tongue was the one that I feel like did it best. Gave you something on the board that you cared about afterwards. Well, because it was also like a really good beater. Yeah, a 4-2 for 4 mana was was fine, especially after you removed your opponent's blocker. Yeah, it's just like all of a sudden, like the other cards, they were good, but they didn't really put that heavy of a clock on your opponent, but Flame Tongue did. All right, so let's check out uh, what uh, Odyssey blocks. So Odyssey, Torment, and Judgment. So for Odyssey, I chose a Tog. Ah, -tog. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I really got into, as we were looking through these cards, I really got into the headspace of uh, liking all of the five-color creatures. And so I went really ham on those. Uh, I mean, there's no way that they put them in these in this set, but I just thought that they were all great. There was like a, a mythical thing to being all five colors. So I went with the Togatog -tog for Odyssey. Uh, for Torment, I went with a card called Parallel Evolution. If anybody doesn't know what that is, it's a, uh, it's a sorcery for three green-green. And it says for each creature token in play, its controller puts a uh, creature token into play that's a copy of that creature. And then it has flashback for four green-green-green. Wow. So it pretty much just doubles your tokens, and then you can flashback and double your tokens again. Uh, and I saw that card. I was like, wow, that's really big. It's really splashy. It shows off flashback. And if, if there's a token uh, strategy, that's great. If there was ever a nod to populate, like, that's it. Yeah. And then for uh, Judgment, I went with the clean pick of Cabal Therapy. That's a pretty solid one. I yeah. only didn't go with Cabal Therapy because they had just done it, so I was like, ah, they maybe they it, won't yeah. do it again. But, you know, that's that's one that, like, I think they can easily do again. There are pl still plenty of people out there that want that card. Um, yeah, and it's not, it's not a pricey card or anything, but it sees enough play that... You know, maybe they put another update to the artwork, even though they, they did that fairly recently, but, you know, it's one of those cards that... We'll always see play in Legacy forever. Uh, so uh, I chose for Odyssey, Torment, and Judgment. I went with uh, the Filterlands. Uh, I figured that's maybe a thing that they can do. It's not something people necessarily want, but like it, th those could be printed at Uncommon, and I think they, I think they'd be fine like enablers. And the Filterlands are all like fairly pricey. Like yeah. they definitely need reprints. So it's, um, a, good, it's a good pick. Uh, Torment. I chose Grim Lavamancer. Let us pray that they put the original artwork back on it. Oh yeah. And uh, Judgment, I, I, I cheated on Judgment. I went all the way back to Arabian Nights and chose Urnum Jin. Hey, if you got to get him on your list, 
you figure out how you can slot them in. Because that card is that that's a magic card that to me is just like the twenty five years of magic. I can't tell you how many times I've I've slammed down an Urnum Jin and been like, yeah, this is magic. Also, we really need to go back to a block where there's Djin, there's Jins. Yeah, yeah. Like ho- hopefully they have that in um, Dominaria. Uh, yeah, I, th- I, I mean I hope they will. Uh, I, so I think it would be good uh, so next we're going into uh, Legions and Scourge. Uh, and onslaught, right? And oh, onslaught legion scourge. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the block uh, for onslaught. I chose Arcanus. Oh yeah. Arcanus the Omnipotent. For legions, I went with Riptide Director. I was on my wizard kick, and then for scourge, I chose Form of the Dragon. Uh, my odds there were, I think Arcanus is just uh, one of the cooler cards that were ever printed for those types of decks where he was your finisher and an engine. Yeah. And once you had enough mana, you could always protect him because he could bounce himself. And just being able to Ancestral every turn is the coolest. Oh, it feels ridiculous. It feels so good. Uh, so I went with Arcanus for that. Uh, Riptide Director is just a wizard that says you tap and draw a card for each wizard you control. Uh, this is my blue mage coming out of me. Uh, that was pretty much why I, that card spoke to me. And that's why I chose it for Legions. And then Form of the Dragon is, they just literally gave a nod to it in Form of the Dinosaur. Uh, for Ixalan, clearly that card has a history as something that was really cool and really special and something that they really liked. And so I thought that they would uh, give a nice call back here from Scourge for that. Yeah, I like I like that card a lot. It's just a silly, it's, it's a completely silly card that like does exactly what you, you think it's going to do. And uh, and, and it, feel, it feels exactly like the kind of flavor that's also like a good magic card that you can actually play too. And one thing that it does too is it, it does... All of those things, as well as do, the same thing that um, I chose uh, Celestial Convergence for, which was it changes the rules of the game. Oh, totally, yeah. And those cards, I think, are a blast. Um, so I went with uh, Riptide Lab. Remain Laboratory, blast. you know. Yeah. Uh, then I went with Acroma. Yeah, and... that, was, that, that seems like the straightforward pick for Legions, right? That's so yeah. good. And, uh, and and Stifle. Why not? I got I to gotta throw Stifle out there. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that that's a card that's near and dear to your heart, and like, yeah, keep reprinting legacy stables. Do it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, on to Mirrodin, Darksteel, and Fifth Dawn. Uh, I guess I'll start out start out this yeah. time. Uh, so I chose Chalice. Chalice needs a reprint. I hate that magic card, but it needs a reprint if if you're yep. gonna allow people to play it. Um, Ravager also needs a reprint. That's for Darksteel. And uh, Staff of Domination. I feel like that also needs a reprint, but I didn't look at the price. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the price of a staff of domination is. Uh, you and I were thinking pretty much in the same mindset because I also chose Chalice and Ravager for the same reasons that you did. I despise Chalice. I despise it more than any other card. Just let me play my ponders and enjoy gentleman's magic. Yes. Uh, but I agree with you. It's too pricey. It needs a reprint. Ravager, same thing. Uh, it's he's, it's now like the four of uh, it's the backbone of vintage shops. Uh, it still sees play in Affinity. Uh, the card is just all over the place, and I think that having another reprint for that is smart. And then for Fifth Dawn, I chose Doubling Cube. Which Ooh, was, uh, Doubling Cube. Doubling Cube, another nod to EDH players. Uh, I don't know if that card has been reprinted before, but I know that it's a card that is a popular EDH card, just doubling your mana. Uh, so I thought that that would be a good pick for Fifth Dawn since they already had, I think they're going to reprint Ravager, which is their nod to Affinity. Yeah. Uh, so champions of Kamigawa, I think we both already have had that blacked out as Azusa. Yeah, we, since that's already spoiled, we're we're good to go on that one. Yeah. Yep. So what'd you choose for betrayers and saviors? So for betrayers, I chose Goryo's Vengeance. Same. Same yeah, exact I think card. 
I, I can't imagine what else they would want to put here. It's a money card. It needs a reprint. It just has all of the things for a card that you want to be putting in this kind of set. So it just makes total sense to me. Since you picked that, I'll say the other card they should do is Through the Breach. Oh, that's cool. too. Yeah, yeah. Through the Breach is also a good pick. Yeah, same deck um, even. Same deck. I mean, they did just uh, make that a, a masterpiece. What do they call them for? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the invocation. Invocation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those. That's the type of card that could easily see another reprint as well. Um, and then for saviors, I put Maga, Trader of Mortals. I have uh, no clue what that card does. So it's uh, X Black 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 for zero zero legend uh, that says when it enters the battlefield, target player loses what life equal to X. And then he comes into play with X plus one plus one counters. Uh, I just thought it was funny uh, in my mind. Uh, I remember when uh, all the stuff in the political world was going on and make America great again and stuff like that. And that this card just like fit that mold really well. Yeah. Uh, it was just like, to me, that's, it's still funny that there's a card called Maga trader of mortals in current day with the political climate. Yeah, it's just geez. so funny to me. So just be, because it has, I, I amused myself with that one, with that pick. I don't, I don't necessarily think that Maga is a good pick there, uh, but I couldn't help myself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, similarly, uh, politically speaking, I, I chose uh, Kataki wars wage. There you go. We're, we're, so who knew Saviors of Kamigawa was going to be the one where our, our politi- politics were going to come political out? political set. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, that, you know, I just figured if they are going to have, like, a artifact theme, they'd want to have, like, one rare hate card that, like, uh, I got it. I got the rare hate card. And oh, I'm yeah, that's smart. Side it in against a guy or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we're now into, we're, we're almost into, like, real, real magic again. So we've got the Ravnica block. We've got uh, Ravnica City of Guilds. Guild Pact and Ascension. Uh, why don't you uh, go go through your three? So for the three for Ravnica, I chose Doubling Season. Big EDH card, mm-hmm. still pricey, had a reprint, could use another. I get that. I think Doubling Season smart. It's also a popular card. Uh, for Guild Pact, I chose Leyline of the Void. Same. Uh, I chose that one as well. Chose Leyline. And I chose Leyline primarily because it's really expensive. Yeah. Uh, I think it just needs the reprint. That was the only basis that I really pulled that one out. And then for Dissension, I chose Grand Arbiter. Uh, oh, okay. Augustine. Uh, he just had a reprint recently in one of the Modern Master sets, but I know that he's a popular EDH commander uh, for that style of deck. And yeah. it's also, um, I think if they're going to be doing uh, limited, for limited consideration in this deck, they want to give you the uh, two-color things to guide your draft. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking, oh, if Blue-White has a sort of like taxing effect style, that that would be, maybe they'll do something like that. Yeah. Uh, so for uh, So Guild Pact, we chose the same thing. But for uh, Ravnica and Ascension, I went with Life from the Loam and Tidespout Tyrant. Oh, yeah, those are good two good, two good picks. Yeah, Life from the Loam needs a, needs another reprint. Uh, it's it's been I think since the first Modern Masters, and people you know so many decks are playing that card, and it's just it's it's a good card to to make sure everybody has at least one or two of. What's amazing too is that it's been reprinted multiple times. And still has a decent price tag. Oh, yeah. I mean, it got a reprint in what the Golgari versus Izzet deck, too. Yeah, it has like multiple reprints, but it's still like a $15, $20 card or something like that. And it's just because it's the backbone of so many decks. Yeah. It just like, it just creates decks around itself in multiple formats. And that's why like it constantly has a price tag. And I think it's a great pick here. Yeah. And Tidebelt Tyrant just being a card that like is, is a fine like choice for uh, a reanimator target in, in, in this like limited format that I'm creating in my head here. Totally, totally reasonable pick. It's still a card that sees play in uh, Blue Black Reanimator. I think, uh, yeah, just solid in every way. Uh, we have to break the block uh, format real fast because they 
they decided to go back and fix a problem that they had all the way back in after alliances and print a third a third set for uh, Ice Age block, Cold which is snap. what we all wanted. Yeah, we were like, oh man, I need that. I need that third set for now. We can play block. We all wanted it. Uh, I will say though that I'm really happy that they did because they let me have my pick, which guided the majority of my legacy life. I chose counterbalance. Counterbalance. That'll be a weird one in the limited format. Yeah, I can't imagine that it was all that interesting <laughs> back in the uh, cold flat limited format either. But yeah. I mean, like counterbalance still sees play in miracles. Uh, I think I couldn't help myself, but I saw the card and my heart uh, melted, and of I course. just had to put it back in. So. I decided to go with uh, Hakon uh, Stromhold Stromgold Scourge uh, as like another weird like reanimator like discard outlet kind of guy. Yeah, man. Uh, so I, you know, he's he's a three three that you can only cast from your graveyard, and anytime he goes to the graveyard from play, you lose two life. So, and you can also cast other knights from the graveyard, so maybe there'll be a knight theme. But totally I, I, cool effect, yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, I, I like this guy for like just a, a weird like enabler card for like a you know discard strategy. Dude, I also love that the the things that he enabled. He enabled some really weird things because you can play knight cards from your graveyard. There was a deck that would play him with nameless inversion. Oh, wow. And so you can just constantly cast your nameless inversion over and over from the yard to just shut down creature strategies. Oh, man, it's so rude. Because it's a knight in the yard, so you just, like, every two mana just is minus three, minus three something. And so, like, how does... So creature decks could just never play through it. Oh, wow. That's really awesome. Really interesting interaction, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, now on to Time Spiral block. Uh, we've got Time Spiral, Planner Chaos, and Future Sight. So for Time Spiral, I chose Ancestral Vision. I get that they just reprinted it in Iconic? Right, I think, but the card is still pricey, and it's one of those cards that I think they need to get a couple of reprints into circulation. That way, it isn't so pricey for modern. And I think that this was a good. It has the suspend mechanic, which is what Time Spiral was about. I think it still highlights that. I think it's a good pick for this one. Uh, for Planner Chaos, I chose a Chroma Angel of Fury. The you way know. that you chose a Chroma <laughs> for your pick, yeah, yeah, I did it. That was where my head was at. I was like, they gotta get a Chroma in here somehow. Uh, so I went with that one. Also, it shows off Morph, which uh, I didn't have a pick for yet. And then for Future Sight, I chose Grove of the Burn Willows for obvious reasons, even though it yeah. has a reprint and is fairly stable now at like 10 to 15 bucks, I think, something yeah. like that. Uh, the thing is, is that it's a multi-format all-star, and I think the more that Groves that are printed, the better. Yeah, I definitely think that, that card, that card I, don't mind, I don't mind seeing that again, actually. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything to the... To the limited format, aside from make it feel like, cool, I opened something good. Yeah, you open something good, you're excited to open a land, uh, and it will help fix colors for the format. So so I went with a similar idea, Lemming End, for Time yep. Spiral. Um, Simeon Spirit Guide, a card that really needs a reprint. Um, what is it now? Like 10? It, God, I can't, it's, gotta be, it's gotta be a $12, $15 card nowadays. At least that, right? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and, uh, Tarmogoyf. Oh, you're going just with Goyf on this keep, one. Keep reprinting these cards. The people need them. Just reprint them until they're like, every card in, in Modern is like $30. You yeah, know, bring it down. Let people play multiple decks, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we're on to, so this is, uh, I think, the first time they that in the, uh, like, basic set, they started printing real, uh, real actual magic cards that weren't reprints. So uh, we're into 10th edition. For 10th edition, I chose Crucible of Worlds. That's a good call. 
Uh, I just figured it's a multi-format all-star, big in EDH. It still sees some legacy applications, maybe some modern applications. Uh, but I know that they uh, they just made it a masterpiece. But I remember that when that card, I remember looking and seeing that it was like 60 bucks at one point. Oh. I was like, man, that's absurd. Uh, and looking at 10th, I thought that that was just like a good card that they could slot in uh, to bring a price down. I decided to go with Time Stretch. Hell yeah. Another, you know, another card from that set that like probably is a little too expensive. And, uh, you know, now? Uh, I bet, I bet that's like, uh, 15, 20 bucks. And that's just like on the back of EDH being degenerate, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I, I play a deck in, in EDH rarely, but, uh, that, uh, plays Nefalia, the, the Scourge Nefalia or whatever, the, the card that was basically in the same, uh, pack as the, uh, true name. Cause I have a bunch of those. Sure. Uh, and so whenever she attacks, she uh, whatever you put her into play, she exiles whatever casting cost was in cards for everybody. And then when she attacks, she gets to cast those cards. Like she oh, chooses wow. one. So, you just, you so just I try. Infinite. Yeah, I try and like pack a bunch of uh, uh, you know time stretch kind of cards into my, into my deck so that I can like attack again and then attack again and then do something else to generate and untap and attack again. You know. Uh, but I, you know I have I have silly stuff in there too, like the one that's like flip a coin, take a turn. You know, like flip oh, a coin. Right, right, if you, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, I just, you know, I, I feel like this is the thing that everybody kind of wants is that these like time stretch. Yeah, time stretch is like thirteen bucks. So you know, oh, okay. see, seeing that as as a reprint, and it's also like a big blue card. You know, like that's yeah. that's the card that like, you know, okay, I'm gonna take two turns. And then I'm going to get you now, you know, big, big, splashy blue cards. Yeah. Yep. And and that's also like one thing, too, is that for some reason, and it's probably because of EDH, even though it is a, a deck in modern is uh, all of like the effect, all of the time walk effects are always really pricey. And it's probably because they're always printed at mythic for the yeah. most part nowadays, but they're always pricier than you think they are. Yeah. Including like time the one, warp it, itself it, is like 15 bucks. Yeah. And t- temporal manipulation is like two hundred dollars. Oh yeah, well that's because they, like that card's yeah, it, and that card is just functionally time walk or yeah, time it's time, uh, it's time warp. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, that brings us to Lorwyn Morningtide Shadowmore Eventide. So I, I'm this was my favorite set, not necessarily for the play, even though I didn't I did enjoy it myself. Um, I love the artwork. Yeah, the artwork was this, really great. It's just the style of artwork that really gets me. Uh, and I, I, I really hope that we can return to Lorwyn at some point in the near future because that was like my favorite block. I, I was just enamored with all of that comic booky style artwork. Yeah. Um, but for uh, for those four, uh, my picks were Sower of Temptation for Lorwyn, mm-hmm. Scape Shift for Morning Tide. We have tied on Scape Shift. So you're also on Scape Shift, yeah. Yep. Uh, for Shadow Moor, I chose Curse Catcher. Oh, that's a good call. And then, yeah, and then for Even Tide, I chose Figure of Destiny. Uh, pretty much down the line, I chose Sower of Temptation because fairies was such a big part of uh, Magic history. It was a dominant competitive deck. Yeah. Um, I thought that they wouldn't pr- like go with Click. I know Click wasn't in Lorwyn, but in terms of like reprinting a fairy, a big fairy, uh, I thought that they would save Click for the Modern Master since they've already printed it a couple times there. Yeah. So I thought they would go with Sower here. Uh, then for Morning Time, Scape Shift, I feel like it's pretty straightforward. It just yeah. needs a reprint and it's too expensive. Uh, for Shadowmoor, since they have just be- uh, had all these merfolk for Ixalan and have been giving that curse catchers a card that's been needing a reprint for a while. Uh, and I think giving your nod to merfolk here with that card would be a, a big one and also help push like an uncommon for the set. So if yep. you're, you're excited to open money cards that are uncommons and then figure of destiny because of its lore within the game. Yeah. 
so I went with uh, Thorn of Amethyst, Scape Shift, uh, the Filterlands, because yep. sure, more Filterlands, and Glenelendra Archmage. Oh, she's so good. Yeah, so, I mean, same thing. Fairies, obviously good. The Filterlands, they can use a reprint. And Thorn of Amethyst needs a reprint as well. Um, again, magic cards I hate, but, like, you know, Dude, I'm if you're going to let us there, if you're yeah. gonna let us play them, just, you know, make them cheap enough to play. Right. Uh, so, uh, now on to Shards of Allura, Conflux, Allura Reborn. Yeah, so uh, this set was also great. I was a big fan of these. Uh, I'm a big fan of shards the same way that I loved cons. Uh, for shards, I chose Cruel Ultimatum, oh, yeah. obvious reasons. Uh, for Conflux, I chose Child of Alara. I couldn't get off my five-color yeah, kick. Of course. I just chose every five-color yep. thing. Uh, and then for Alara Reborn, I chose Bloodbraid Elf. I figured that they knew that if they were doing the Jason ban, they were going to do the Bloodbraid unban. Sure. And it would make no sense to me to not be putting yeah, that gear in well. there. Yeah. Um, so I, I decided to go with Tezzeret the Seeker. Um, Interesting. Ancient Ziggurat. And Mind Funeral. Um, do you think that they will be putting another Planeswalker in the set? So I thought about that just now, and I was like, oh, yeah, they probably won't throw, especially another blue Planeswalker, because, like, Tef- Teferi's blue, right? Yeah. So, like, so blue, yeah. probably not with, with Tezzeret. Um, but uh, so Ancient Ziggurat, I think, is another card that needs a uh, needs a reprint. Is that and, pricey now because of humans? Yeah, I mean it's been it's been pushing up there because of meat hooks and stuff too. Like it was like oh, a, sure. it was like a ten dollar card for a while. Wow. So I, I, I'm assuming that it's still it's still up there. Yeah. Um. And, and mind funeral is just like every one of these sets has a has a mill theme. So like mind funeral just seemed like a, a appropriate choice. And also mind funeral is stupid expensive for reasons that are still unbeknownst to any of yeah, us. Yeah. No one knows. Because people like milling people out in casual really formats. The thing is that, like, I, <laughs> so I hear rude. all the time that these cards are expensive because people really like mill. And don't get me wrong, like, I played myself a bunch of Sphinx's tutelage, but I don't get how I don't know anybody who like loves mill enough that all these cards are so expensive. Yeah, it, well, like, you I know what it know is? It's like it's, it's kids. It's yeah, like I guess so. Yeah, finding out that you can win Magic in a different way. It, 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 when you first start playing, I mean, do you remember seeing like somebody millstone someone out when you were a kid? You were like, oh, that is cool. I didn't well, think I, that you I, didn't have to attack people. That that spoke to me because I like playing blue and never wanted to put a creature in my my deck. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I get, maybe maybe I'm one of the mill players, man. Yeah. Maybe I'm why these cards are so expensive. Yeah, that's it. Um. Okay. So uh, now to M10, which is you know now we're getting into the real. They're just putting random cards that they've never put before into basic sets. Yep. Uh, real clean. Give me that ponder. Ponder's a good one. I went with Master of the Wild Hunt. Smart. That's yeah, a good one. Just a good yeah. like green creature to throw into play. Oh, um, yeah. So I didn't pick anything for Plane Chase. I don't know if you did. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they would consider these sets that they would pull from. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, this Arch Enemy Commander these, sets. These to me are eh. these these are supplemental products to me. Yeah. And I don't think that they would put it in their like twenty five years of releases. You know what I mean? Good. So we'll agree on that, and then we'll go to Zendikar, World Wake, we already know, is Jason Mind Sculptor, and yep. Rise of the Eldrazi. So for Zendikar, I was with you on Mind Funeral. I chose Archive Trap. Oh, there you go. That's a good uh, one. I, I figured they'd want to highlight traps from the Zendikar world, because that was like the really cool thing that they did with the Indiana Jones-style adventure mm-hmm. thing with the traps. Uh, and then people love Mill. Uh, and then for Rise of the Eldrazi, I chose Emrakul. I was like... Emrakul does if need a reprint. If it needs a reprint, and also if you're doing Magic 25, you want to be putting the biggest creature Ever. in Magic yeah, on yeah. into your set. You know yeah, what I mean? That's, that's so a like, good call. it needs a reprint. It's like the second tier villain to, to Nicol Bolas. 
in magic lore and it just has all the makings of something that you want in your your big uh nostalgic set and you want a reprint of yeah um i went with oracle of moldiah and, yep, present a car. Yep, Good pick. and uh, and Vengevine, uh, figuring that the you know that that would like lead into the the discard mill strategy that I'm producing in my head here. Um, yep. but, yeah, Vengevine's sweet. Yeah, just those those two cards I feel like could could use a reprint and uh, and you know they're they're great they're great in a limited format. They have their Agreed. own uh, yeah. you know abilities. They do something different. Yeah. All right, uh, M11. Oh, I thought this pick was the easiest one of my entire list. I chose Baneslayer Angel. Oh, wow. You went Baneslayer Angel. I went with Steel Overseer because that card really needs a reprint. Oh, yeah. I guess so. Like, I went on Baneslayer, Baneslayer solely for the lore. Yeah. I mean, that card is, is is you know, when I think of this set, I think of that card. And the only reason I didn't pick it was because I was like, man, you know, people are playing with before Steel Overseers in their decks, and they're expensive. They're not expensive, expensive. They're like $15, $20, but still, they could come down in price. I totally think that your pick could make total sense if they were looking to just get a, a money card down. Yeah. Um, and I went with Baneslayer because I feel that if they're doing a, a, a big set like this, they usually like those, um, like the big creatures that they relate to each color. Yeah. I figured that if they don't have a Chroma or one of the Chromas, they'll definitely have Baneslayer. Yeah. That makes as sense. As like an angel to push in the set. Yeah. All right. So uh, we've got Scars, Mirrored and Besiege, and New Phyrexia. We're almost to where I started playing Magic again. Oh, yeah, because you, you took a break, right? I took a 12-year break. So from Prophecy till, uh, I think, uh, Dark Ascension, I'm, I'm, I'm in the black here. Oh, wow. Uh, well, okay, so nostalgically welcoming you back. Yeah. Um, for Scars, I chose Mox Opal. That's a good one. That card is still absurd. I don't think that they're going to ban it. I think they're just going to leave it. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's fine. It, it makes it's totally you build fine. your deck in a very specific way, and... I, I really, I mean, if they're going to deal with Lantern, it's going to be in a little while because they, they're going to let it slide for a bit, you know, until it ruins coverage. <laughs> and I also think that they enjoy Affinity being in the format. Yeah, Affinity is it is one of those decks where it feels unfair until everyone reacts to it, and it's very easy to hate out. To me, it's, it's very dredgy in that way. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something that they like being part of the format because it's one of the things that identifies the format, right? Yeah, because oh it's, yeah. been, it's been a major player since modern has existed. And I think it will forever be. And I think that the restriction of Metalcraft makes so, so Mox Opal, although obviously super powerful, isn't busted enough that they're ever actually going to ban it unless they print something new that really makes it oh, yeah. a multi-deck uh, oppressor. Yeah. Um, so for I chose that for Scars. And then for Mirrodin, I chose Blightsteel Colossus. That's a good one. I think it's just way too expensive. Yeah, that's a card uh, that could definitely use a reprint. Definitely use a reprint. Um, I am looking forward to picking up a reprinted Blightsteel so I can uh, put it in my uh, vintage decks now that uh, our the local store here is doing monthly vintage. Uh, so I can get into that format. Uh, what, what, is for, the, what is the local? Is that is that the Geekery? Geekery, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Geekery, they're, they're starting to do uh, monthly vintage events with 15 Proxy. Awesome. And I think that's great, and that is what came to mind for when I saw Mirrored and Besieged and saw Blightsteel, and I was like, obviously I'm going to be playing a Tinker Blightsteel deck, and yep. I need one. So I prefer uh, Tinker Inkwell Leviathan, but I, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if I'm getting into the format for the first time, I got I to gotta start off with the, the Big Bang thing. Of course. Uh, and then get it sourced to Plowshares, and then learn my lesson. Yep. Uh, and then for New Phyrexia, I chose Elishnorn. Elishnorn's a good call. I yeah. think uh, on New Phyrexia, we can almost... 
green this out and say Karn is going to be is going to be in here. See, and so I thought the same thing. I thought I, I like you because you chose Karn, right? I did choose Karn, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a fantastic pick because he's so expensive and he needs a reprint really badly. But I was I I consciously chose not Karn because I didn't think that they would put in another Planeswalker in M25. Yeah, well, well so is it he in the the thing? It's him, uh, Tefri and uh, and what is it? Uh, the Gitu chick. Uh, what's her name? Oh, uh, Joyra? Joyra. So they show those, and I figured maybe they'll be the Planeswalkers. Oh, I thought that was for Dominaria. Oh my god, you're right. I mean, the thing is that they could totally put Karn here and, and then, then have a new have Karn, a new Karn yeah. in Dominaria. Uh, I fully agree. Like, Karn is like, what, 70 bucks? Yeah, it's too much. Like, something absurd. I just cho- I, th- I thought that they wouldn't want another Planeswalker, especially since, like, if they were doing one of these sets, I can't imagine that they don't put Karn as like the flagship card to sell the set. Yeah. That's why I didn't choose Karn, but I it's not he definitely went through my mind. Yeah. All right. Well, I chose obviously Karn for New Phyrexia, going backwards here. Uh Consecrated Sphinx, uh, which is another great vintage card, by the way. Uh card, for, also, it's, it's great EDH card and super expensive, right? Yeah, it's it it's it's a little too it's a little too costly. And then uh I chose the Fastlands for Scars. Good um, pick. So uh my rule's gonna be it'll be the medium. Of whatever these is, if they if they reprint them, so I I don't get credit for all five of them. Oh sure, yeah yeah yeah, I get yeah. you. Um, so uh, we'll skip over Commander uh twenty twenty eleven I guess, and we'll go right into M twelve. Uh, this pick was also fairly easy for me. I chose uh, Prime Time. Prime Time's a good call. Yeah, I, I think with... you're... oh go, you want to yeah, put people Titan in there, yeah. Yeah yeah, that's and Prime Time is is a good call because it's like a very it it it's magic. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's he's playing everything. Uh, it's like multiple decks. It's what put Valakut on the map. Yep. Uh, and I figure that the Titans were so dominant when they were around that they would give a nod yeah, to that give a nod in to Magic History. Guys. Yeah. Um, I went with a uh, Phantasmal Image. Oh, good pick. Yeah, I, I, that, that, you know, that's a card that, uh, you know, I, I used to play, and I was also a Merfolk player when I first got into Legacy, and I mm-hmm. played a lot of Phantasmal Image. So I, you know, I, I chose that for personal reasons. So and now it's, a, it's still a four of Inhumans now, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Four of um, three of four of. Oh. Not sure. Something it could like be that. both. It's, it's a ton of play, yeah. Uh, so uh, now we're up to Innistrad, Dark Ascension, and Avacyn Restored. I'm back, everybody. I'm back. back. I'm back. I'm I'm really excited to be playing Magic. Welcome back. Uh, for Innistrad, I chose Geist of Saint Draft. That's a good one. Uh, for Dark Ascension, I chose Thalia. Uh, me too. Oh, you chose Thalia too? Yep. This is another card that I hate playing against, but I do know that with all of the de- now that Thalia like recently spiked again because of all the modern decks that it sees play in. Yep. Now it's like a 10, 15 plus card or something like that, and it's due for a reprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for Avacyn Restored, once again, my miracle self, I couldn't resist. I chose Terminus. Terminus is a good one. I yeah. went with Olivia, uh, Voldaren. She's excellent. Uh, Thalia, and I, I chose Tamio. Uh, five mana Tamiyo. Yeah, five mana Tamiyo. Uh, Which was I like, mean, I was like, I don't know, this seems like a fine card. I mean, it's hard to choose, because like, I didn't want to choose Grizzlebrand or Avacyn. Yep. I was like, yep. eh, I don't want to choose That's interesting, because I, I, I actively thought, uh, I, I, I was going to go with Avacyn until I couldn't help myself and went with Terminus. Yeah. Well, also, Tamiyo, like, kind of needs a reprint. I think she's like $15, $20. She might even be more than that. I can believe that she definitely needs a reprint. I yeah. I, I consciously steered clear of Planeswalkers just because I thought that they wouldn't want anybody competing with Jace. But I wouldn't be surprised if they threw a couple other Planeswalkers that aren't like marquee Planeswalkers into the set. Yeah, but also Tamio is blue like Jace is, so that's also a problem. 
Um, but uh, so going into uh, M13. So M13, I couldn't decide. I ended up going with Grave Titan. Okay. Uh, I figured that it's still a reanimator target, and uh, it sees enough play alongside as like it's the other Titan that sees a lot of play. I really just dis- couldn't decide between that and Inferno Titan. Um, I didn't even know choosing a Titan was going to be correct. I ended up going with Grave Titan. I think that like they might n- go with another Titan in the set, uh, but I'm not sure on that one. I chose Thrag Tusk. Was Thrag Tusk not in this set? Uh, I don't remember. Maybe it was. Uh, I if it like was, the, I think that's a fantastic pick. I feel like maybe the Titans weren't in, weren't in this set, but I might be I might be wrong. I thought um, they were reprinted in multiple M sets. If yeah. I'm wrong on this one, then I conceded a, another pick. Yeah, on the no Academy worries. Rector and Grave One. This, so I'm I'm yeah. losing points here. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll consider that if it's in there, it's in there because I'm not positive either. I didn't look. I was like, whatever set that Thrag Tusk got printed in, Thrag Tusk, I feel like is gonna is gonna be in. Definitely a smart choice for sure. Thrag Tusk had like as much impact as the Titans did. Yeah. Uh, so return to Ravnica, gate crash, dragon's maze. So for return to Ravnica, one of my favorite, I don't play a lot of standard. It's very rare that I play standard. If I do, it's when there's a deck that I think is a blast to play. And for me, that was the Sphinx's Rev deck. Yeah. I love just going Sphinx's Rev into Elixir of Immortality. And that was my win condition. Oh, I God. loved it. Loved, loved, loved drawing so my rude. deck every turn. So <laughs> I chose Sphinx's Revelation. Uh, I think it's like a $7 card or something like that. It sees like one or two of play in modern blue white. I figured it was a fine pick and it spoke to my heart. Yep. Uh, I went with the exact opposite magic card, uh, Rakdos Return. Oh, you you see, you're the, you're the hater on this one. Uh, actually, I love playing uh, Sphinx's Revelation. I remember when that card was $5 and I, I was like, this is the dumbest magic card ever. I have to buy four of them immediately and it was immediately like a 30 dollar card after yeah that. i remember when it was like yeah five six bucks and then i'd have nowhere it just spiked because everybody was like oh i understand how this works now and it's really funny too because i did a deck tech back when scg uh i had an i had an sc i was at an scg i did a deck tech and i played like i think one sphinx's rev in my deck and i can always look back at that video and know how wrong i was yeah <laughs> that's great it's just like a nice thing where i can go oh right i was one of the people who was so wrong yep uh yeah so uh great pick. what what do you got for uh gate crash and dragon's maze all oh, right i chose aurelia the war leader yep. for gate crash mm-hmm. uh just big splashy mythic and then for dragon maze dragon's maze i chose blood baron of Viscopa. Ooh, that's a good one uh he was he was also just reprinted in uh in uh iconic master so that was a card i looked at and was like mm, maybe i don't go with that one but yeah uh, it was it was my my way of slotting in the way that i was saying i was trying to get one of the, like the big um big tribes in I realized that I hadn't chosen a vampire the way that you had chosen Olivia Valderon. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, I think Blood Baron is a popular enough card that they might give it a nod here just oh, to yeah. get a vampire into the set. But, um, well, I, I, uh, you know, I wanted to whip out my didgeridoo. And so I got Boros Reckoner as my, uh, gate mm-hmm. crash card for, Great. for, to forget the Minotaurs out. Yep. Super, and, super. Uh, and like a card that was one of the pillars of that standard format. Oh yeah. And uh, I, I I chose another planeswalker, so I've got Ral Zarek in here. Another blue planeswalker. We're high on there's, planeswalkers. There's man. a there's a bias here, obviously. Um, but you know, like I said, uh, these are all I I consider these all picks in the dark, and I'm not saying that like because of one, definitely another. So like, you know, one of these might get might get put in. Mm-hmm. Um. So and, and now we're into the the plane of Theros. Theros, born of the god, journey to Nyx. Yep. Uh, for Theros, I chose Pelucranos. Uh, I thought they would just want their 
the big monstrosity creature that was like the marquee for that mechanic. Oh, yeah. Uh, for Born of the Gods, I chose Chromanticore because I could not say no to the five-color stuff. <laughs> just mono five yes. colors. All of them. So I chose Chromanticore. <laughs> and then for Journey to Nyx, I chose Eidolon of the Great Rebel. I, just figured I it would also be... chose Eidolon for that one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just figured it was like one of those cards that needed to reprint because it's a popular card. Yep. Uh, and then I chose uh, Nykthos for, for Theros, uh, the, the Shrine to Nyx. Our, and, our, uh, our, our picks there go hand in hand. Nykthos and Pelucranos were. Yep. Those uh, were a deck. That's half yep. a deck right there. Just those two things. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Bremaz for Born of the Gods. Bremaz needs oh, a reprint. That's fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, two on to Conspiracy. Let's do Conspiracy 1 and Conspiracy 2 together. Uh, for Conspiracy 1, so I, I didn't actually mark one these things down for that one. Uh, but if I were to think that they would print another card, I would probably say for Conspiracy 1, they would go with uh, Grenzo. Okay, yeah, Grenzo. Uh, to get a, a, a big goblin in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for Conspiracy 2, uh, was that the one with Leo in it? Yeah. I think they would do a Leo reprint I think that's fair. Uh, I went with uh, Marchesa uh, yep. for the for Conspiracy 1, and then I chose another Planeswalker. I went with Kaya for... Uh, Can't say no, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have a thing for five-color things? Apparently, I just choose the Planeswalkers. Just all the Planeswalkers, yeah. yeah. Well, at least we found our niche with these with this type of draft. Yep. Uh, okay, so uh, on to cons. Cons, Fate Reforged, and Dragons of Tarkir. So for cons, I chose Siege Rhino. Yep. That's a good Bane one. of everybody's existence at the time. Uh, but that was like the thing that I think people remember from cons. Oh yeah. And then for Fate Rich Forged, I chose I went with Gurmag Gangler here. Okay. Uh, I figured call. I was choosing nothing but rares and mythics, and they actually have to fill out the set with <laughs> yeah, some kind of commons and uncommons. So, but I thought they would want to show off Delve. Yeah. That's, uh, that sounds like so I chose Gurmag Gangler. And then for dragons, I chose Collected Company. So did I. All right. Yeah. I just, like, what else are you going to choose in that? Um. Set? Right. Yeah. Because I mean, there's not a whole lot else in that set that you would like want to choose. Um, you know, I almost wanted to be like Treasure Cruise for, for cons, but uh, I went with Anafenza, uh, the, yep. the foremost. Uh, then I went with Ugin, because Planeswalkers. Gotta have of it. Of course. Can, uh, and, then, and then, yeah, Collected Company. Yeah. Uh, so there's not a whole lot to say about that there. Like, I, I chose Ugin, I chose Collected Company. Those are just cards that I, I think need reprint. Yeah. Um, so we got Battle, Oath, and... Oh yeah, just battle an oath because they started going into two blocks. Yep, they're moving on into two block sets. Uh, for battle, I chose Omnath, Locus of Rage. Oh yeah. Uh, just a big splashy EDH legend uh, that could also tell the story of what Battle of Zendikar was. Mm-hmm. There's uh, some a little bit of Orthos uh, behind that card that they could go to. I I, uh, then, I bet you five dollars we picked the same card for the big the Gatewatch. It's, I mean, is there any other card that's worth printing than other than Kalidus? There, there is not. There isn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I think you could maybe choose Gideon. Uh, yeah. But, like, I steered clear of Planeswalkers. I was just like... It I says think... a lot about Kalidus that I didn't choose Gideon. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Kalidus is just a, a, a wonderful card, and he is a legend that they came back to. Yeah. It's so a great, I think he, it's and a he's great super part cool. of the story. Yeah. Super cool. Um, I went with Undergrowth Champion as my uh, Battle for Zendikar card to, like, show off, uh, you know, Landfall. So we both chose oh, Landfall yeah. cards, but yep. yours was a little bit stronger than mine. Uh, and I wasn't even thinking of Landfall. I was just thinking of the uh, storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we've got Shadows over Innistrad and Eldritch Moon. So for Shadows, I went with the card that tells the story, which was Anguished Unmaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just thought that there would be, like, here's the story of Shadows. It's Soren having to, like undo the his own creation and i thought that they would just one i think they could uh if they want to downgrade it i think it could be an uncommon yeah uh and i think it tells the story yeah 
What and about then, uh, Eldritch Moon? I chose Bedlam Reveler. That's a great card. Yeah, I mean, I just was like, I think this is a card. I don't know if they would know that it was modern playable at the time, but it just struck me as a card that it saw some play in Blue Red Delver. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, I I could see other cards being picked here. I don't really have other than thinking that it was competitive. I went deep on this card when it came out, and I didn't spec on it so much as I just bought eight of them because I thought I was going to be playing it in, in two different formats. I mean, well, now that it's like a thing, it like spiked to 10 bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so I was I specced a little late. Spec a little late, but if you still have him, you gotta you gotta yeah. get, get paid off a little bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, so for shadows, I went with tireless tracker. Oh, that's a good pick. Yeah, and, show off the investigate mechanic for yeah. sure. And uh, for uh, Eldritch Moon, I went with Grim Flare, which was the delirium mechanic. Oh, that also makes sense too if you're thinking for limited because you'll fill your graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's a good pick. It's I it's, it's go, play in modern stuff. So. I didn't go any further than this because we've th- now we're looking at sets that are in print. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I chose some stuff, but, like, I could totally see them just not putting in the yeah. current sets. I'm just like, oh, I mean, what am I going to do? Be like, smuggler, like, choose the card that they banned for these yeah. sets? Yeah, you know? but it's like, funny, too, because for Kaladesh, I did put Marvel. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no other energy, just put Marvel in the set. Yeah, just put Marvel in and be like, ha-ha. There it is, yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys. Here's Marvel. Uh, you open it, you can't do anything. Yeah, like, I yeah, probably would have been like, Kaladesh's smuggler's copter, Revolt is Kieran's... Uh, oh, hard. I was gonna put. I, I think I was. I was. I just figured they would have to reprint Fatal Push immediately. Oh yeah, yeah. That, well, yeah. that would be nice actually. If they if they reprinted Fatal Push, I'd be happy. I'd be happy about that. Yeah, it's just um, like you know an eight dollar uncommon or something like that, and it's just gonna do nothing but go up because it'll forever see play. Yep. Um. Yeah. So that's you know that's that's it. I mean, we got we got all the way through. I think we have a two hour podcast here, man. I mean, I think if you're like we just we literally went through the entire history of Magic, so I yeah. think that's Ooh. reasonable. Yeah, that's uh, you know, that was that was fun. <laughs> that was, yeah. I mean, d- doing these kind of drafts is like super sweet. Well, I- I'm curious to see how if like, I I imagine we're both probably at like <laughs> the 10 to 15 percentile of yeah, correct yeah. correct choices, but uh, I mean, hopefully the ones that we both picked um were also like is what Wizard said too. That's that's what I that's what I hope. If, if we just get the ones we both picked right, I'm happy with that. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, and we know that like if they just go mono planeswalkers, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> and if they go mono five color things, I got it. Oh man, could you imagine? They're just like we're going five color legends. That dude, five I, color that would sell mythic its own rares. Set. That would sell its five own color set. mythic rares is going to be a all of the five color things in one set. Yeah, you know exactly what you're getting. And uh, you know, uh, obviously, the, if they're doing that, then legacy weapon gets reprinted too. Legacy weapon gets reprinted. <laughs> the sliver sliver queen and uh, hive lord or whatever get reprinted. Yeah. All of it. Get yep. it all in there. Legacy weapon gets reprinted. Yep. It's not five color, but it's close. All right. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I've got planned for today. Uh, we this is probably our longest podcast, so this is this is a hell of a, fir- a, a first time. Is you had to stick in here for two hours. First outing, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this was a blast. Not at all. Glad to have you. Uh, so yeah, that, that is it, folks. Stop, stop, animals too. Next time. Can you see animals? Stop, it's our go. Keep it up with the Joneses. Where does he get those wonderful toys?